up, Internet? You're tuned in episode 100 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined as always by my ever-present co-host and antagonist, Mr. Andy Brown. Man, it's my last chance to ever be mean to Pete for the whole world to see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you... coming in hot today, boys. Are you going to squander it or, or that's it? You're not going to say something mean right now? Oh no! I'm gonna I'm gonna save it. Oh, so you say something s- nice about water Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna just sprinkle it throughout just, the show, yeah. like a, like a fine salt. It's it's like a good salt, you know. A little bit of it absolutely is needed to make the podcast, but too much of it, and you're like, oh, why is Andy being a dick? <laughs> <laughs> well, thankfully to balance you out, we've also got the edge edge lord with the heart of gold, Mister Robert Thompson. Yes, and my title of edge marquee shall be known. No longer. <laughs> <laughs> and the guild master himself, Mr. Sean Bartley. Hello, hello. I don't like all this, like, down energy. I mean, come on. This no, is no, no. this is 100. Let's go. Come on. This is exciting. Let's do it. We are ready to send the show off in style. We've got a jam-packed fucking episode for you guys. It, it's a hefty one. Uh, we're going to kick things off with, um, I wanted to just extend a thank you to our pals Matt and Tyler over at the Longbox Podcast. Uh, they had some really, really kind words to say about VGP uh, over on episode 135 of their show um, and said how much they'd missed the show and how it was uh, their favorite show every Tuesday. So thank you guys so much for the support. And uh, on their episode, they had a little <gasps> random question of the week in honor of our show that i decided i'm gonna steal so they asked what is the best superhero video game and also talked about what the worst is and i i did a google keyword search and i don't believe we've ever answered this question on the show so (laughs) (laughs) uh, i think we have (laughs) are you sure I'm pretty confident, my friend. But yeah. okay, we'll do it. We'll do it, though? Because <laughs> my answer's changed since the last time we did it. It's 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 uh, Marvel Spider-Man. Right. That game, above yeah, and right. beyond. That and, is the worst superhero game of all time. Get out of here, Andy. <laughs> Make <laughs> Superman 64 look competent. You liked that game, and you know it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean... If you're going to set me up like that, you can't expect me <laughs> not to knock it down, Pete. Yeah, I understand. But yeah, I mean, I have to give it to that game. There's plenty of other solid superhero games, but like that game fired on all cylinders. It's everything I ever wanted out of a Spider-Man game, but was too afraid to ask for. <laughs> wow. And what's the worst? The worst that I've ever played has got to be... Marvel Ultimate Alliance. No. <laughs> Damn, man, you are. You're really pushing it today. <laughs> I, I honestly wasn't even going to react because I was like, that's so insane that it's obviously not true. Yeah, no, it's no not true. No one would believe that. <laughs> no. Um, I. I think the worst. I don't know. I, like, I'm having trouble thinking of what the worst is that I've actually played all the way through. Not just like. Superman 64, because it's, like, trash, you know? But, like, honestly, I think the superhero game that I've played that I enjoyed the least, and I'm sorry to say this, Matt, is Arkham Knight. That game was such a massive disappointment to me. I don't know that I've ever been more 
like bummed out or brought down by something I was so high for, like going into it. Damn, Jesus Christ. I'm throwing shade, but I mean it's it's that game, man, I couldn't even like bring myself to fucking finish it. I got like right up to the last mission and was like, I don't whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. It, but, like, it really sucks because that game has some genuinely cool ideas. Yeah, but, like, there's so many so many of them are smothered under things I just don't want to do. It's the Dragon Age Inquisition of Batman games. Oof. That's <laughs> <sighs> how I feel in my heart. I Listen, those are your feelings, and I'm going to respect them. And I guess if you don't want to just dunk on Superman 64, you that's can. fine. I mean... I feel like it's not fair. It's, you know, it's fish in a barrel, right? Everybody knows Superman 64 is the worst superhero game. Do you know what I did Maybe know about- the worst video game ever made. Do you know what I didn't know about it that Tyler said on the long box? I didn't fact check this. He said it's a Blizzard game. Blizzard made it. And that is true. That's yeah. insane. I had no idea. They they had the rights to, um, to Superman because they also put out a Sega Superman game. And I believe they put out the Justice League fighting game on Sega as well. Blizzard made Injustice? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, on Sega. (laughs) On Sega Genesis, the original Injustice. I missed that one. (laughs) I didn't have a good childhood because I didn't play the Sega Genesis Injustice. (laughs) Actually, I just just fact-checked the... Nintendo 64 portion of this conversation, and that's not true. So they didn't make Superman 64. It's Titus Interactive. Man, Tyler, you're embarrassing yourself. The only 64 (laughs) game I remembered was StarCraft 64, and that wasn't good either. That's the only Nintendo 64 game you remember? All of them, yes. The entire... (laughs) The only Blizzard (laughs) one, yes. What Super Smash Brothers? (laughs) I've only played StarCraft. Yeah, you got me. (laughs) So... I guess I'll go next. Um, I didn't finish Spider-Man, so I really... As as likely as it is that I would choose that as well, because I didn't finish it, I can't really speak to uh, to that. Gotta get your so PlayStation my, 4 fixed, brother. I know, I know. Uh, so, as a result, my answer will be what it was, which is uh, Arkham City. Arkham City is a brilliant game. Uh, you know, in honor of Batman, his 80th anniversary, it's perfect that we're talking about that today. Hell yeah. Um, oh, wow. That game, really more than any other, showed me what superhero games could be, because there were a lot of ones that I loved and enjoyed highly up until that point, but that game was like, oh, this is a game game, you know? And uh, uh, for that reason, I'll never forget it. No matter how good superhero games go on to be... That will always kind of be the benchmark of like, is it is it as good as Arkham City? Dude, I I'll never forget the fir- the day I brought Arkham City home. I uh, I used to have this really big projector like screen TV in my uh, in like the room where I'd hang out with all my friends, and I think Thompson might have been there actually. And like everybody came over to watch me play the game because <laughs> they just wanted to see it. And I just remember, like, the first moment after the opening cutscene where you get to just run off the building and jump into Gotham and glide out. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, this is incredible. And I just remember for, like, a week, 
every time that people were at my house, I was still playing this game because there was no way I was putting it down. And anytime I would see a group of thugs, I would just like run up and just be like, no, 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 Batman! And just kick people in the face. Oh, so I, good. That I game. do love that game. Immaculate. <laughs> That's one of my favorite open world games ever. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favorite games in general ever. Uh, as for worst superhero game, uh, boy, <laughs> when I was a kid, it was too. I couldn't tell that Superman was Superman sixty four was bad. Like, it, it wasn't. <laughs> it, it wasn't that evident to me. I knew it was weird, but I, I couldn't really tell that it was bad. I also knew it was really really hard. I didn't. I didn't get why I couldn't get past a certain point. So I'm gonna discard that for that reason. Uh, Iron Man on the PS3. Oh my god, the Sega game. Yep. That game was that... hot garbage. <laughs> I, I've told this story before, so I won't belabor it, but I got it as a gift for my birthday one year, and I knew what it was going to be, but it was just purchased for me without <laughs> my consent. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I was like, you know what? It's a game. I'm gonna plug it in and see what happens. Let's give it a and shot. I didn't like it at all. Yep. Yeah. It's bad. Uh, my best friend got it for the same reason. Where someone was like, "Oh, you like superheroes? We're gonna get you this Iron Man game." We we're like, "How bad can it be?" And I was like, Ooh. "And he had the Wii version." And I was just like, "Oh my god! I didn't know video games could be this bad." <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I guess I'll jump in next because Sean set me up to be a feudster. I'm going to say Arkham Asylum is better than Arkham City. <laughs> oh, okay. I okay. think that's I think that's reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I uh, they're I like also love Arkham Asylum. Very much. Yeah. The same game, but also super different, which is one of the things I love about them. And. Mm-hmm. I think some of the things about moving to an open world for Arkham City are great, like how like how cool that <sighs> running out over Gotham is, but also mm-hmm. how much the like the story and the pacing feels weird for an open world like list of checkboxes. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that, and I feel like Arkham Asylum is like the best Metroidvania that had been made in like oh, a yeah. decade when it came out. I you know. Uh, Arkham like, Asylum is not a perfect game. Um, every boss fight's the same, and that sucks. But yeah. it is one of my favorites. I really like the way that it lets you learn an environment, and you get so familiar with it that, like, when you get a new ability, you're like, oh, yeah, yo, I gotta go back to all those exploding walls, and, like, yeah. I know where all these other things are, because I've, like, spent so much time exploring every nook and cranny, but, like, every new item recontextualizes every space in the map. And, like, they just make such good use of that island. Like, you never feel like you're, like, no. boxed in. And it's... I don't know. I think I like this story better in Arkham Asylum 2. I just, like, it's a perfect smallish Batman story. Yeah. Yeah, it's more focused. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to Marvel vs. Capcom 2, which is just... Hell yeah, dude. 
That that might actually, yeah, that's probably the better answer, to be honest. <laughs> than mine, I mean. Sean's yours. like, I rescind I mean, my answer. Here's why Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is the shit. <laughs> it's a fighting game, though. I mean, like, it's a superhero fighting game. So, so like... So is Injustice. So, so Batman, Arkham... Yeah, the I know, Arkham I know, games but are... I think it's fair to say your your Batman pick is, is salient and, like, you know, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 could top my list on on most lists, let alone, like, superhero <laughs> or not, so... Yeah. That game is something special. For yeah, sure. Yeah, it's special sauce. And yeah. it's like... Lens Marvel. It's just dripping with that 90s fucking vibe, too. Well, it's <laughs> gonna take you for a ride, so... Watch out. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, was obligatory. Someone had to do it. Man, can they port that shit oh. to Switch? Let's go. Oh. So, that's gonna... That would be good. Can they port it to Isn't PS4? Isn't it on PS4 in some capacity? Or that. No, okay, it was on Xbox 360. Um, that's going to tee up my worst superhero yeah. game of all time, though. I haven't played a ton of it, but oh my god, is Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite bad. Mm. That that's that <clears throat> that one I have to really okay. take umbrage with, I, but like, I won't interrupt. I'm not super ahead. big into fighting <laughs> games, and, like, so <clears throat> if... You know, feel free to correct me on this. And I only played five or six matches of Infinite. I just didn't like it. It didn't feel good. It didn't look good. Um, I really didn't like the like the changes they made to the two and three formula. And I just, I don't know. Something about it rubbed me very much the wrong way. And I did not enjoy playing it. So I think I think Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite on a technical level, gameplay wise, is actually very very good, and uh, I'm not alone in that thought process. The community um, rallied behind that game gameplay wise, but like so many members of the community didn't even get to the door because of how it looks. Um, but the fighting in that game, and if it doesn't feel good for you, then it just doesn't. But I, I thought it was so tight, and I wish that Chung Lee had a normal face so that I could play it. Why don't her eyebrows move, Sean? Why did Captain America have to look like that? Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. All right, maybe I do agree with you, Andy. <laughs> wow. What about you, Thompson? Um, all right, so for my best pick, it's a little bit of a... Uh, a little bit out there, but you guys remember the oddly good PS3 yes. Wolverine game that yes. was just really brutal and fun? Yeah, it was made um, by, um, oh my god, it's one of the Call of Duty studios now. Yeah, I, I, I don't yep. remember who made it. Right Andy's now. looking it up. Oh, cool. Um, But yeah, yeah, that game is a fucking fire, dude. That's actually my favorite, like, superhero, just core superhero thing, because, like, I didn't play any of the Arkham games, which I know is heretical, and... I didn't even really play Spider-Man more than, you know, like, the hour I was with you, Pete. So, I can't really put those into the running. I just had a shitload of fun with that Wolverine game. I remember, like, just hacking everything up for hours and hours and hours, man. Like, just nonstop fun. It's so funny, because, like, no one played it, because they're yeah. like, oh, X-Men Origins Wolverine was a yeah. shitty movie. It's I thought a I got the demo. game. And there was a demo out, and I was like, yeah, whatever. And I played the demo, and I was like, is this actually a good game? And then I ended up buying it, and, like, yeah, it was fucking great man it was it was just a little underground hit so it was raven software which is now a call of duty team but 
more importantly to me, also made Star Wars Jedi Knight 2. Oh, my favorite Oh, yeah. Game. Awesome. Yeah, man. Cool. Yeah, I still studio. play 2, actually. Um, yeah, that game is a solid, yeah. like, action game. Hell yeah. And it's brutal. Like, you're just slicing people up, like, the way you always wanted to as Wolverine. It's crazy. Yeah, when jumping across, throwing people everywhere. I mean, now that you mention it, Andy, like, that makes sense because, like, Jedi oh, yeah. Knight 2 had, like, the lightsaber arm chop off stuff, and, like, that game just clearly oozes that kind of feel now. Hmm. What's so, your yeah. question, Sean? When did uh, that come with out? With the movie, I think. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah 2008, 2007. Uh, 2009. Huh. 2009, okay. So it was, it was a while ago. How did I play that? Somehow I played that game and I did enjoy it. I just don't know how the hell I played it. I mean, there was a very robust demo that was like it, yeah, over an hour There was a long. version of it, it might on that. literally yeah. every platform you could have played it on in 2009. From the DS to the PSP to the PS2. <laughs> yep. Wow. What? <laughs> Damn. In 2009, they released it on the PS2. All yeah, right. man. <laughs> That's crazy. Licensed games. What a what a world we used to live in. <laughs> so what about worse for you, Thompson? Well, I actually am going to pick Superman 64 because Nary, like, four years ago, I said, oh, it can't no. be that bad, right? And I actually picked it up. It yeah. is indeed that bad. And I got, like, maybe 80% through before I, like, of all people, rage quit. Like, I I don't really think I've ever rage quit besides the first Dark Souls once, you know, until I came back and actually beat it. And I never did that with Superman. So I can I can honestly say that Superman 64 was, like, more of a struggle for me than like Superman any of the 64 Souls games or anything else. The only game as bad just... as the first Dark Souls. <laughs> wow. I Thompson's words. No, 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 no. I didn't say as bad. I said as hard. <laughs> now, Dark Souls 1 might be a little broken, but Superman 64 is like... If, if you could say that Dark Souls 1 was a car crash, right? Superman 64 is a 20-car pile up on the highway with no survivors <laughs> fair enough because it, it is it is just beyond there's nothing there that you can look at and be like well at least that no there's nothing it just exists and it only exists to bring you down so it's Damn. terrible <laughs> so thanks matt and tyler <laughs> yeah it's a fun question uh, yeah, it was a good time uh it's so fun we did it <laughs> twice <laughs> apparently Oh my god. Uh, so, um, normally this is the part of the show where I would do plugs, so I'm going to remind you uh, to show your support for the show by giving this episode a like, all that fun internet stuff, hitting us up at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. You know how to do internet things. It's been a hundred episodes. So with that, I guess that means it's time for... The second random question of the week? <laughs> <laughs> do you have one? I'd be down. No. Okay, well then it's news time. The news, the news, we talking about the news, the news, the news, we talking about the news. <laughs> so we've got a beefy, beefy, beefy news list this week. It's eight items, but it's actually more like 12. So let's just jump right into this shit, man. Uh, so like we talked about last week, both Sony and Microsoft decided to debut their own Nintendo Direct style, like, you know video series the same week within a day of each other because apparently they knew it was the last episode of the video game pals so they needed to just get it all out in the open 
So I no. Go ahead. Before Andy. we get into this, I just have a question. Yeah. Are we as brand aligned as we usually are about thinking who had the better showcase? I don't know. We'll have to find out. Yeah. That's that's a thing to think about moving forward. Yeah, because I uh, I I thought both of these were the the format is good. I think the package is promising. I didn't think either of them were that great from a content standpoint. Oh. I I really like the content of the Xbox One, but we'll get into that. All right, yeah. So let's let's start let's start with Sony. Um, similar to what we did with the Nindies Direct last week, I want to just hit the highlights and like what were the things we were interested in. So I'm gonna bring up the stuff that I thought I think is the most noteworthy. If there's anything else that jumped out at you guys that you want to you know throw on the uh, the docket, you know, let it be known. Uh, so the first thing they showed off was a uh, Iron Man VR game, PSVR exclusive. It looks like. Um, obviously none of us are really big VR fans, but this is like a pretty cool implementation of it. I think, you know, like when you think about like what would work as a VR game, I feel like Iron Man is one of the easiest solutions, you know? Yeah. Makes sense. I, man, I thought this was stupid. I'm with Sean, but I also understand where if you're going to make a superhero VR game, Iron Man's probably the guy to go with. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely easy, especially considering, like, think about Iron Man using technology, you slap a VR headset on, it's like, cool, it's already, like, like thematically there, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it is like a slam dunk, but I don't, I'm not into this. It doesn't look like it's a super developed game, you know? Like, it just seems, like, very, like, uh, I don't know who they're marketing it for, because it might look like, I feel like it, you know, it's polished, look, like, the graphics are cool, but, like, I don't think the gameplay is going to be anything spectacular so is it for like kids or i don't know how many kids have a vr set though i, I really don't even i don't even know this was for <laughs> suckers yeah. man yeah <laughs> okay that's fair there's a lot of them yeah good lord that's, right. that's... all right uh so <laughs> well, we're really hard on iron man apparently yeah uh but i get it um the other thing that they showed off was uh, some exclusive PS4 content for Crash Team Racing that I was very hyped about, where they have, like, the retro polygonal style, like, alternative skins for the characters only on PS4, which I thought was a really nice little touch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This game looks awesome, man. And, and like, I, I don't remember, like, have any of you guys actually played it, or... Yeah, yeah I, I definitely played it. I think I demoed it. I haven't put serious okay. time into it. It was a play it at a friend's house. Kind so of thing. yeah, so right, okay, yeah, that um, was my experience with it. So yeah, I, I think this game is is so much fun, and I'm so excited for it, and I'm really excited for like it to get more exposure, you know, because um, I feel like the original is kind of like a, I don't know, it's kind of like a not like a. Like a, like a hidden gem or anything like that, but I feel like its audience is pretty niche compared to, like, Crash as a whole, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think this might be its chance to, uh, you know, kind of show uh, show itself that's, off to the world a little bit. It's because everyone was playing Diddy Kong Racing, Racer. Pete, that's why. Don't your farts sound Diddy Kong yeah, Racing? Yeah, it like Crash, but they were like... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I like Diddy Kong Racing, but I'm a Crash boy, okay? Um... And we can we can reopen that conversation once we all get to play CTR together. So, oh, 
Oh, with its new fancy graphics. You give me a, a Diddy Kong Racing with new fancy <laughs> graphics and we'll talk. T- t- take it up with Rare, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so they had like a bunch of other like kind of like VR sizzle stuff, a few other games. But I, to me, like the next exciting thing was getting the first uh, story trailer for Concrete Genie, which is that indie game about the kid who does the graffiti that like we saw at E3. I want to say last year. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. might have been a little bit longer before that. But I know like Thompson and I were both really high on it when they first showed it off. Um, I thought that some of the like cutscene animation looked a little blocky, but. Like, I'm still really into the idea of this game, and it looks like it's going to be pretty cool. I So I watched that trailer, and I think that all of the, like, the art the kid does looks really cool. The actual humans all look kind of gross in that weird, like, double fine way. And yeah. The way they talk is very, like, it's yeah. like herky-jerky a little I bit. I could be into the idea of this game, but I want to see more of, like what it is we'll actually be doing on a moment-to-moment gameplay level. Yeah, I feel like we got the first look at that, kind, kind of, of, in terms of, like, puzzle solving and a little bit of, like, light platforming. But it's still, like, I feel like it yeah. could use a deep dive. Yeah, right, so I'm definitely interested in this. Like, I think this... I really didn't come out of this P- uh, PlayStation thing with, like too many interests and this is like probably my biggest one still then uh like i i really love the artwork from the trailers we had seen originally and then i saw this it's like cool we're getting there like you said it's a little bit weird looking sometimes when they talk or whatever but i'm i'm kind of like you know i'm on the fence i'm gonna give them some some leeway you know i think i'm more excited about what i'll be able to play in that game rather than like anything else about it like you know i was interested originally just because of like the artwork ability and whatever that would be for the game however you would pull it off from the day-to-day kind of stuff so like story looking funny people talking weird eh, it's not the, it's not the end of the world for me but i do see i do see some issues uh, cropping up though yeah yeah it's still it's i still think it looks like it's on a good track but there's there's right. some things here that like give me pause i think yeah yeah definitely a L- little bit of trepidatious now <laughs> What do you think about this, Sean? <laughs> Ooh, uh, I do not care about this. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Um, I figured yeah. you did it. You're not. You're not much for indie games. Uh, so then, then after that, they had a uh, another story trailer for Days Gone, where we got a little bit more info about the story and some of like kind of the stakes of the world, and you know, um, there's a look at some new gameplay. Games a month out. Uh, I mean, I think like I've been kind of the one defending this game on this show for a long time. Um, you know, so it's like... I like I, it, too. You, you're into it, too? What did yeah, you think oh about yeah. this? It looks good. I, I mean, I feel like I've seen enough already. Like, yeah. I'm ready to be able to play it or not, I guess. Like, so I didn't need this. But I, I in general, I'm hyped. Because I, I really think this game is going to surprise people. I think, yeah. I think, like, it's premise is not doing it any favors in terms of like getting people hyped for it but i really think it looks like it's going to be a good game do you do you feel like you have an understanding of what it is that caused people to immediately what i feel like immediately just start hating on this game because it came out of nowhere in my opinion i really feel like it's just zombies it's that people are like i think it's got i think it's got two things against it right like we're in a point where we're kind of over zombies 
And I think that that trend is like has been on its way out and is like kind of done. So I think that hurt it. Um, and I think the fact that people can easily compare it to the uh, to the Last of Us, which is another Sony exclusive, is another thing that like is hurting. Because if you'll remember, there was kind of a similar narrative around God of War when they first showed it off. Where people were like, I don't know about this. It kind of looks like the Last of Us. Like. Uh, we'll see like and then it came out and people were like oh fuck it's great it's game of the year like it's you know whatever so like i think days gone i don't know that it's going to be that good but i think it's going to come out and surprise people and that like the buzz the word of mouth from people who played it and like pundits who got it early and everything are going to be what really moves the needle for it because yeah you're right like days i think gone as soon as confident. it came out of the gate people didn't want to give it a chance and that's the only positive yeah. thing i have to say about it i have oh my god less than zero interest in this game i don't know man all right i, I, I get it but you know for me like i like third person what? open no world story driven games you know and like it, this looks like a good one what a shock what about you Thompson what do you think about this so like I'm a sucker for zombie games I don't care if the trend's old or whatever I I don't give a shit about that stuff if a game is fun it's fun right I think the combat looked amazing I like how you know they can run over each other like World War Z style like that just tidal wave of them I think I think the the technical stuff that they were showing off throughout this game's lifespan has been really cool Uh, I don't give a shit about the story I don't know I'm not interested in the story but like I, I don't I never hated this or anything. I just I was just under the impression like, all right, we've seen it like every year. They were like, hey, here's here's more days gone stuff. I'm 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 just like, eh, I'm kind of over that, you know. I just want to yeah, play it at this just point. So play it already. my only gripe with it is kind of like they've been showing. I mean, it has a lot to to work on, obviously, and it's a big project. But they've been showing it off and teasing it for long enough now that I'm like over the hype. So mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like very neutral about this whole thing. Um. You know, like, I'm definitely going to get this at some point, and I don't know if I'm going to get it, like, day one or even within the first month. If it was on sale, I'd, I'd get it, like, right away if it wasn't 60, but, you know, 60 is a lot for a game that you don't, like, feel strongly about. Otherwise, though, it does look really great. Obviously, like, you know, I'm I'm a huge fan of, like, like open world and everything, too. It's like, this is the right type of game for me, but it's not, like, screaming out to me yet, so. Okay. We'll see. Yeah, it's funny, man. Like, the thing you said about the story, like, I'm really interested in the story, actually, because uh, they did, like, uh, one of those kind of advanced previews where they let a bunch of people go play it for a few hours. So I've heard a little bit about how it works. And uh, a, a big kind of through line is, like, uh, the main character, Deacon, and, like, his relationship with, like, his wife and, you know, like, the people he knew before <coughs> society collapsed and everything. So there are these, like flashbacks basically and there's like dozens and dozens of them and like so you kind of have like these two different storylines that eventually converge and then you play in the flashbacks yeah oh okay so that's really cool i like apparently like i think about halfway through the game or something like that they converge and then (laughs) like you kind of get answers about a lot of the questions that you that you have had posed and then you kind of are able to move forward and like act on that information so I don't know. It sounds yeah. interesting. No, I like that idea a lot. Actually, I mean that's that's a nice way to break it up for me too. Like, I don't I don't think the story is gonna like draw me in, but like if it's part of the gameplay like that, <clears throat> that's really cool. You know, yeah. especially if they're doing the flashbacks and if there's 
like my one of my favorite things about zombie things is always like the the right like right at the precipice of like everything falling apart when they're just like oh shit like we've got this oh no we don't and like i like the post-apocalyptic side of it i think that's cool I like the scavenging and then running away but jumping between the two is such a dynamic because you're like in two worlds you know and even seeing them converge is like cooler idea too like i wouldn't i wouldn't even care if that happened but that sounds even better so actually pete you've swayed me a little more good <laughs> my hype is going up again yes <laughs> days gone needs all the help it can get uh, I, think, but, I think it's going to sell fine without uh, me buying it. <laughs> no, Thompson, you need it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so then after that, we had uh, Mortal Kombat 11 got a new trailer that was like half story, half like kind of just like character reveal and stuff. Um, it, it was good. It was all right. Like, I, I'm really excited for Mortal Kombat 11. I just like Mortal Kombat and, you know, like the whole time travel like new versions of the characters versus old versions of the characters like seems like a fun premise and like it's goofy and stupid but so is a lot of mortal Kombat. so could be good i'm into it yeah the amount of goodwill that mortal Kombat has is really good to see uh it's great that we're past the point where whenever Mortal Kombat is showcased, the conversation isn't immediately, oh my god, this is too violent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. It's, it's accepted now, finally. Yeah. And that's awesome. It looks good. Gameplay looks fantastic. Actually, the beta is open right now. Oh, for real? Uh, yeah. That's cool. Um, Have you done so, it yet? No, I haven't. When I say it's open, I mean it's available. I don't know that it's, like, an open beta. Mm, okay. I'm not sure how you get in, but... um. My PS4 doesn't work, so I, I can't. Oh, right, do it, I keep forgetting that. Uh, so, but I've heard that it's awesome, and people are play testing and they're they're breaking the game down. So this is going to be one of the better fighting games I think uh, of the cool. year, and I'm very excited for it. What do you think about the whole like like uh, gimmick? Uh who cares? <laughs> you know, it's it's just a it's just a mechanism for them to get a story going. And Mortal Kombat, like all other fighting games, has never really been about the story. Although I guess you could argue that Mortal Kombat is probably the one that's most about the story. I think they um, do it better than anybody else for sure. Yeah, between this and Injustice, their stories are very good and. Uh, so I'm sure this won't be a slouch in the story department, uh, but yeah, like I really just care about the the fighting part. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I'm I'm really excited for Mortal Kombat 11, and I cannot wait to get my hands on it. The nice thing, Sean, is if your PS4 isn't <laughs> fixed by then, you can play it on Switch. No. All right. Okay. I... <laughs> Solid. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, overall, I saw a lot of negativity around this showcase, but I think that the format's really promising. Like, I don't really feel like it necessarily delivered in terms of, like, content, but I felt like it seemed like a good groundwork for, like, this being Sony's answer to the Nintendo Direct moving forward. What do you guys think about that? So, go ahead. I I was just gonna say, I think that people are... Highly critical. Uh, yeah. There's really no reason for that. This is just a, a, another mechanism of showcasing games. And I don't 
for me personally, who cares the way they deliver the games? Just watch the trailers. You know, I don't, I don't think it matters. Like we're we're all here for the same thing. If it like if it's not you know prettied up, you know people take umbrage with it. But realistically speaking, you're watching it because you want to see the trailers. You're not watching it because of the way they're presented. If all these trailers were drip fed on IGN over the course of the week, no one would be talking about the the way they were delivered. It doesn't matter. So I don't know. I just think it's much to do about nothing. And it is what it is. I don't know. Are you, like, a fan of the idea of this, of Sony doing this moving forward? Like, do you think it's something that you'll tune in for? No. <laughs> I don't even tune in <laughs> for the directs. I, I just watch what I care about when it's out. So, yeah. like, when it comes to, okay, there's a there's a Pokemon direct. I'll watch it when I get around to it, and I'm watching for the information. You know, I don't yeah. care who's delivering it, and I don't care how. I just want to see what it is that they want to show me. And I apply that same logic to this and what Xbox did. You know, I just care about the games. And if they look good, then it was good. And if it doesn't look, if they don't look good, then it wasn't good. I don't know. <laughs> That's like, I'm the same way. I, I do pretty much the down the line. I mean, I, I don't really watch these things or the directs. If there's something cool in it, I'll be like, oh, crap. I got to go back and find the trailer for it or whatever. But like right. the the thing I'm there for is the games and like the trailers for the games or just game information stuff. So like, I don't care if Mr. Hankey did the pr- presentation I'm I'm probably not going to I mean that would be cool. I mean if there was a real poop doing it, like I would watch it then, but Jesus. <laughs> I'm just saying like that's really like I don't care otherwise. So um people complain about it. I mean, that's fine. They can be critical all they want, and I'm sure people like to have the production and like the show value or the personas behind I think people it. were upset about what they announced more so than like the right, right. the package. Yeah, like I'm not thrilled about these games. Like Mortal Kombat's gonna be great. I know that. Like Days Gone, like I, I already said, and, and like the concrete genie game is the only other one I cared. So like overall I wasn't like thrilled, but it's not bad. I mean, it's just the way to get the games out to me. And you know, they they got the games out to me, so good job. <laughs> That's really it. Like like Sean said, if it was every other day over the course of a week or something, uh, I would just wait till the end of the week or something and find a conglomerate of it so, and then watch the trailers there. I so, I think the format was fine. I like watching the directs and these kind of presentations. Like I think content-wise, I didn't like this very much at all. But Yeah, me too. That's... Because I have no interest in Days Gone, and like Mortal Kombat looks great, but I'm so bad at fighting games. Uh, I don't have time, it's Thompson. Time to We're gonna train you. By 2020, you're gonna be. You don't need a lot of time. I'll put you through the master course. <laughs> you get whooped constantly, and you get good uh, like, from it. Concrete Genie was the <laughs> That's only how I thing learned. in this like PlayStation Direct or state of play or whatever they want to call it that looked even a little bit up my alley and I still wasn't crazy about it. But I think the format was fine. Yeah, I think I think the format's like real solid and I feel like it's definitely like a good way for them to, you know, drop relevant information like this and like it's definitely something I'm looking forward to getting more of. Yeah, and and the last thing I wanted to say was that if the if if people's problems are with the games that they actually showcased, I mean, any any game that they were coming out with that they were gonna announce, 
I don't know that that announcement would be coming here. You know, this was this was just like here's all the stuff that we have that's coming out that's cool. You know, yeah. but if they had a new, you know, I'm just gonna throw out like God of War or Horizon, right. it wouldn't be in this, right? Like that would be true. They'd be going to E3 if they had stuff like that to talk about. Um, I I just think you know, like yeah. come on, who cares? They had out some games, you know. Yeah, people need to set their expectations at like a reasonable level, you know. Right. And they're doing this monthly or or just at whatever they have stuff. I don't think they said specifically, so I think it's going to be like more like whenever they have the need to do one. Right. All right. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into it. Uh, So then, like we talked about, uh, Xbox had their own answer to the Nintendo Direct style thing. Uh, ID at Xbox Game Pass, which is like specifically an indie showcase of games coming to the Xbox Game Pass platform. Uh, This, I thought, content-wise was, bless you. Uh, was a lot better. Oh yeah, me too. Um, I thought content-wise, this one was a lot better. Uh, I I don't like the format as much. I think it is really promising. There was a little bit, like there was a little bit more talking than I wanted, considering how short it was. It was only like thirteen minutes, and there was like a lot of, uh, like just people talking like to introduce the games then like then the interviews with the devs and everything which i think are a really nice touch i like hearing from the developers but i think there were times where like it felt like it got a little bit repetitive you know and i I think that like it could have been edited a little bit tighter but like i really like the format i think that like the games they had to show all look really good and uh i think like overall it's funny because i didn't see people talking about this as much but yeah, there also like wasn't I, um, negative backlash. I really dug it. So I, I thought guess that's all the games they showed were like looked at least cool, if not for me. Um, I do think they let the Outer Wilds people talk too much. Yeah, that segment was pretty long. But I also just feel like maybe it's because I know that game isn't for me, and like it looks gorgeous, it looks great, but space I'm mid. never going to play it, so I wasn't super invested in it. Um, I do like that they're yeah. allowed like, to make not, open world really. games in 2019 without crafting. I didn't know if that was legal. Uh. <laughs> it's not. <clears throat> the crafting accords have finally uh, gone through. I don't know. So. I thought they let those guys talk too much, and I think you might be right, though. It might just be because I don't have that much interest in the game. But, like... Like, I think... Yeah, like, if we were hype about it, we might have felt differently. after-party people talk was great. They had interesting stuff to say. They talked about, like, how they found the VAs for their game. Yeah. That was cool. And, like, where the story came from. I am just way into after-party. Yeah, I am too. Um, I did think that they still let them go on a little long. Like, there were one or two interviews where, like... Uh, I think at the end, because I can't remember all the people's names, but, like, the one developer was talking a lot about, he's like, oh, like, I think people will be surprised because it has a lot of heart and friendships and depth. And and it's like, there was another person who already said that earlier in not so many words. So it's kind of like just, you know, again, just like tightening the edit a little bit, you know. But I'm really interested in After Party, so I wasn't upset to see or hear more about it. It looks really deep, though. 
Like the, it looks like there's a lot of choices to be made in terms of how you handle each scenario. And like, that's my favorite thing in video games is like giving me agency to like make decisions and handle situations, how I think makes sense or how I want to see them play out. So, yeah, I think that telling a like deep emotional story without drink the devil as its hook is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't be more excited for after party for sure. That's, like, uh, on the top of my list for games I'm ready to play this year. That's... You know what's crazy about, like, how much I liked this showcase? After Party is still third, maybe fourth on my list of, like, things I'm excited to play coming out of that idea. Really? So what was above it? Yeah. Um, Void Bastards is right Oh, okay, yeah. That looks cool. Uh, That game looks like comic book bioshock and i'm so yeah i really like the um it kind of reminds me of like jet set radio yeah i get that yeah i'm super excited for void bastards i have heard nothing but good things about killer queen so i really want killer queen Queen is fucking sick dude i played it at magfest a couple like multiple times um but and it's like oh my god it's just so fun it's one of those games that like you just get sucked into you know yeah, it seems like a thing that's a very easy. Oh, where's yes, that six hours exactly. go? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm still waiting for that to come that. to Switch. Yeah, for sure. Um, unless there's crossplay, doesn't matter. Point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I'm not sure if I am more excited for After Party, which looks like a great, real, emotional experience. Or Supermarket Shriek, which looks like the stupidest, funnest arcade yes, game I've ever seen. They both look good. Um, I, I think Supermarket Shriek looks like it'll be a really like, uh, just like a fun game to like yeah. play with people as like a party kind of game. You know, like let's say you can get the longest run or do the dopiest thing. Yeah, game looks crazy. Yeah, I'm way into that. I also like this showcase was all indie games, which is way more up my alley than like look at. Our big PS4 yeah. exclusive. We all know how you feel about big PS4 exclusives. You X-Bot. Um, <laughs> Rude. I like Spider-Man. Uh, the only other thing that I wanted to like call out was uh, when they showed off Blazing Chrome, I was like, this is the weakest one more thing I've ever seen in a presentation. And not that the game looked bad, but they're like, oh, so we're done, right? No, we've got one more thing for you. And it's like, here's like 10 seconds of an indie game that could have been in the sizzle reel. It's like, all right, cool, I guess. That was actually the only game I liked. Yeah, I I think they should have swapped Blazing Chrome and Killer Queen. Yeah, um, yeah, personally. definitely. But I don't know, Blazing Chrome looks Yeah, fun. it does. It's just like a weird, I think After Party would have been a better game to end it with. I th- I don't think you can do a one more thing. Just as, don't do the one like, more thing then. Here's all our interviews. Not everything with the devs. needs a one more thing. But that's not how Nintendo <laughs> does it, Pete. And this is trying so hard to be a Nintendo Direct. <laughs> I just I just realized that I've been on mute, but um, th- that was <laughs> oh, the shit. only game I liked. <clears throat> Blazing Chrome. Blazing Chrome. Yeah. 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 Me yeah. too. I didn't care for the other two really. I know that you guys have been speaking highly of it. I'm not saying they're bad. They're just not for me. Like, and even Blazing Chrome, I wasn't like. I'm reminded of like, oh, I want to go play Contra now or like Metal Slug <laughs> sure. rather than this even. Like it doesn't look bad either, but like I want a new Metal Slug now. <laughs> so 
Yeah, that was it. And then, like you said, 10 seconds of gameplay kind of sucked. I, I thought the thing was over, and I was looking at the list originally. I was like, wait, where is Blazing Chrome in this video? Oh, right at the end. Okay. <laughs> like, they just decided to show you some snippets. That's cool. They couldn't get a de- dev interview, maybe? <laughs> is that why? That's not a one more thing where you need to just show Sizzle. But there's, like, three games. You don't put two and then say one more thing. Like, that's... it's so stupid i I don't know that's the only thing i had issue with other than that this was fine the games look great i you know i'm not into after party as much as you guys are after party is a game that you'll play with me and then be like wow this is fantastic why didn't i play this and i'll be like i don't know i don't think it'll i I don't know something about it didn't really stand out to me and i I like i like all the games you show me like that and after party didn't do it for me i don't know well did you ever play oxen free yeah i did did you like it it, it didn't really keep me interested, but I did beat it. Them's fight. Yeah, I didn't say Thompson. it was bad. I just said it didn't keep me that interested. All right. I mean, I'm a hard sell in some of these games. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being honest. <laughs> Sean, did you say anything else while you were muted? Uh, yes, but I don't remember it, so it's okay. Damn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just sat there silently getting mad at us for talking over him. <laughs> We didn't know. <laughs> it's, it's it's totally fine. <laughs> All right. So that wraps it up for our discussion on uh, on both those events. Um, like we said, definitely some pretty cool stuff. But uh, I- I'm, I'm interested to see what these look like in the future as like they continue to evolve. Because people are skeptical about Nintendo Directs too. So um, I, think, I think these are both really promising things for them. And I, I hope they play out well. Uh, so next, yeah. oh no, go ahead. Do you have anything else to say? I was just gonna say more uh, opportunities to be thinking about games is good. So wishing both of both of these uh, companies the best with these uh, with these the, the directs, I guess. Yeah. Well, eventually we'll start calling them by what they're actually called, but they have to earn it first. all right so uh the next up uh we've got the rumor that we've kind of talked around a few times on this show about the idea of uh, new switch models coming and there is a rumor that's been making its rounds uh a bunch of different um outlets have talked about it we're going to talk about Eurogamer, who was kind of the like latest to talk about it uh where essentially the so here, I'll just pull a little bit from Eurogamer's article. This is from Tom Phillips over there. Uh, but the story originated on the Wall Street Journal, where they were tipped um, that there would be two new Nintendo Switch models for launch, quote, as early as this summer. Uh, so there would be a price cut version of the existing Switch console, and then one with, quote, enhanced features targeted at avid video gamers, the report concluded. So then Eurogamer... Uh, talking to a couple of their courses, sources close to Nintendo, have confirmed the report. Um, so, like, it seems like this is kind of all said and done. Like, this is happening, and we're probably going to hear about this at E3 for the first time. Uh, and then what what Eurogamer added to the story was that, in principle, Nintendo is hoping to cater to the same two audiences that eventually evolved with 3DS to serve the 2DS and the new 3DS XL. So essentially what we're talking about is that, you know, we'll have a cheaper option aimed at casual gamers who are still using 3DS or, you know, are like have been on the fence about picking up the Switch. And then uh, they're also like, you know, it's like a value, a budget option. And they're also they also talked about it being like sturdier than the current Switch so that it would be, quote, kid proof. 
Um, and then they said that costs will be driven down by the removal of several features, like uh, the um, like what's it called the the special rumble, the HD rumble, HD rumble. Yeah, like would would probably be removed. Um, but they didn't say if it would if it would be specifically that or if it would just be like any kind of vibration. So like jury's out on that one. Um, but yeah, and then like the other one is kind of like looking to be like a pro model, you know, that um, would obviously like not be like as beefed up as like a PS4 and Xbox One X Pro, but um, it, it, it's apparently going to be c- comparable to the difference between the 3DS and the new 3DS. So, like, okay. faster load times, probably a better battery life, probably better internal memory, maybe, like, better screen, you know. Two exclusives people are mad about being exclusive. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think this makes a lot of sense when you think about how they split the 3DS and how they sold them. Um, so, yeah, what do you guys think about this announcement? I'm not shocked at all. Uh, I think it's a, a great plan as long as, like, I don't plan on upgrading, I don't think, from my current Switch. And I also don't plan on picking up a second Switch. But I think it's great to get more people in the door. And for people who have that extra income and want to upgrade and want, like, a switch that can output in 4K or whatever the like Yo, extra fucking model dreams. Ends up being. I hope so. That'd be great, but I don't know. It's not for me, and I don't want to speculate too much on what it'll be because then I'll just end up disappointing myself. Here's a question for you: Could you see yourself um, switching oh. models? Uh, if the more, like, budget kid-friendly option is, like, smaller? Probably not. But if I was buying a Switch for the first time, I probably would buy okay. a smaller one. Fair enough. This sucks uh, because <laughs> I just bought a Switch. <laughs> And now they're coming out with a new one that's going to be bigger and better. Uh, No, this is fine. This is expected. It's Nintendo, right? They always kind of iterate on... I mean, they didn't iterate on their home consoles, really. But they always iterated on their... um, Their, uh, you know, the DS and Game Boy and stuff like that. So it, it makes sense. Um... And I think it's good. I think a, a more kid-friendly version, especially, is is good. A cheaper version that, you know, doesn't dock, that's not as um, sensitive to falling or things like that. I think that's that's a pretty good move on their part. Yeah, yeah. I, I expected this. I didn't expect it this soon. <clears throat> and, like, personally, neither of these models are really for me, which is kind of sad. Like, I don't want the... If I never had one, I'd probably go for the kid-friendly cheap one. But I've got one, so I don't want to, like, downgrade. Um, but I also don't have, like, 4K or anything to, like... Well, really again, upgrade. it hasn't... It ha- They haven't said that it would have 4K no, no, or anything No, I'm just... Like examples. Like, I don't have anything to upgrade to. Like, I have no problems with the current version. I don't have a problem with the battery life or anything. So, like, 
any additional features, that's cool. But, like, I don't need them. And I also don't need the downgrade ones. So I'm kind of in this weird spot where, like, this is great, but unless my Switch actually breaks, I, I'm i not going to be going in either direction on this. And I'll never... I don't think I'll ever get the cheaper one unless, like, I was like, oh, maybe I'm... Maybe, what if it's, like, 150 right? And it's, like, my Switch is just bad now. And, it like, you know, I don't want to... I don't use that much. So that it's might be like, good. That'll probably you know? never happen. You know, like, right, I, but it's I, like... I, I, I've used every launch model handheld for years and years. It, you know, yeah. like, they all still work. Exactly. And I've, I've actually got an original DS still. And it... Yeah. Fucking still works, so I can't kill that thing. And I bought that like used, and I still can't even destroy it. So, yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'm ever gonna like buy into this. You know, it's it's cool, and I I just don't have the the need for anything stronger on the Switch yet. And maybe there'll be a point where it's like that perfect dark thing on the 64. Like, oh, these games won't work. You know, maybe that will happen. Uh, that would suck, but that would obviously push me in that direction. You know, I, this is this is good, but I don't know if I'm going to utilize it. Yeah, I'm I'm on the fence. I definitely could see myself buying an upgraded model if it has features that are attractive enough for me. Because I love the Switch. I'm like all in on it as a platform. I play my Switch like every day, and I really enjoy it. And if there is a a bigger, better version of the Switch that like has enough quality of life changes that I'm waiting for, um. And I can, like, maybe get, like, a good trade-in deal or something like that. You know, like, yeah, I would do that for sure. I really can't think of anything that I would need that I don't have on the Switch already. And, I mean, that just speaks to, like, the Switch. Like, it's yeah. a great system. Well, like, I, it definitely wouldn't be, like, a need thing. But it's, like, if they were, sure. like, hey, here's a new Switch. It's got a better screen. You can do 1080p in handheld mode. It's got better internal memory, more RAM, so it's got faster load times um, and, like, you know, better frame rate. And, like, you know, just, like, all those sorts of things. I'd be, like, yeah, all right. I, you know, I'm still not sold. Like, the, the 720 is fine for me. I think the frame rate's fine. I don't care. I mean, like, I'm not on the PC, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's, it's a different, like, avenue of gaming for me. I, I guess I treat it differently than most because I don't expect as much out of it. And, like, having an upgraded version would be cool. Like, oh, that's now it's like a PS4 in your hands or something, you know? But, like, I don't... I don't know. I just don't see the Switch as that. And, like, I don't think I ever really will because I, I, the way I use it is different than the rest of my games, you know? And especially because, like, I am an avid PC gamer too. So a lot of, th- a lot of times things are on the switch and i'm like screw it just get on the put in the computer you know um and that just speaks to how i play games really but i can see all the benefits of this i just i hope yeah. there's a i hope it's at a low enough price point that you know i can consider it because it's never going to be a bad thing to have a better version of it it's just yeah i, I just want to be able to get it you know what i mean my guess is that we'll see the new Switch model come out at the same price as the current Switch, and that the current model will get a price reduction, and then we'll have the cheaper, you know, kid-friendly option out the gate. Uh, how so, much is this damn thing? Oh, it's 300 still. Yeah. So I'm thinking uh, that might go down to, like, 250 The Pro model's, like, 300 I think 250 is a lot for the kid one if they... Especially if they pull out features, you know. Well, I mean, that one might be cheaper. I'm oh, saying, you're like, not saying two fifty for that. I, yeah, I think it would be like the the kid friendly model is the cheapest one. Yeah. The yeah. current like OG Switch is like gets knocked down to like two fifty, two hundred. Um, 
and then we have like a pro model that's like at three three fifty. What do you think would be good for the kid one or the the downgrade one or whatever? Like price wise, yeah. What do you think would be good? I think that? ideally they're probably going to want to hit like two hundred or less, like. Cause because I, I can't see it being more than 200. If I, if that was the range, like that makes sense. Like 200, 250, 300. Yeah, know, I that. mean, the 2DS is ridiculously affordable, and I think they want to try to hit that same market because they sold a lot of them. They did, and even if it was goofy at first, it still it still maintained a lot of sales. So yeah, they, it's like they know what they're doing with this kind of shit. So I'm not gonna like you know question the the lords of Nintendo, but. You know, I just I hope that it's a good price for the the more expensive one because it wouldn't hurt in the long run. But I don't think they're gonna come out the gate with a really high price tag. That's not what Nintendo's about. You know? Yeah, they're good. I trust in them. I think three fifty is the highest. We'll see. I, I trust in them. They're benevolent overlords. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so moon right along, staying on the Nintendo train, uh, Monolith Soft, who is best known as the company behind uh, the Xenoblade franchise. Um, but has also helped out on, like, a number of uh, Nintendo IP over the years. Like, you know, like, they, they've, like, done assistance on um, Breath of the Wild and, like, the, like, Animal Crossing mobile game. Like, they're, like, as as much as, like, them being the Xenoblade uh, team, they're also, like, Nintendo's, like, Swiss Army Knife when a game needs help, like, getting finished, you know? Um, so they are currently, like, have hiring, uh, you know, like, a hiring call out for people for the next Legend of Zelda game. Hmm. Uh, and it's a couple, cool. and this is, like, all roughly translated, obviously, it's Japanese, so, like, you know, take it with a grain of salt, I suppose. But it's a lot of, like, senior level um, people, you know, like, project manager um, a bunch of, like, high-level designers, like, the designer for the main character, so, like, the actual main link design is something that they're going to be working on, um, map modeler, character modeler, concept art, you know, in-game animators, you know, like, all kinds of stuff, uh, doing this, the UI and, like, the, like, some of the tool maintenance and character control, so it's, it's a lot of, of work here, so it's unclear if it means that, like, Monolith Soft is going to be, like, actually heading up uh their own zelda game with maybe the breath of the wild engine or if they're going to just be helping out for the next one while like the zelda prime team ideates the breath of the wild you know the next step the successor to that game uh rather than like kind of like a majora's mask style sequel which has been rumored for a while uh but what, what do we think about this i think and correct me if i'm wrong um, I think when I heard about this earlier this week, this is Monolith's Kyoto studio, I right? That's true, yes. And that studio mostly doesn't do its own stuff and basically exists as backup Nintendo people. So I think they're probably just hanging out to support the mothership yeah. on whatever the Breath of the Wild successor is, if it's a Majora's Mask style game, if it's a, no, we're just going to do another mainline Zelda. Uh, Breath of the Wild was great, but we're going to try our own thing. Hmm. So I don't know what it's going to be. I would love to see that engine used I think more, that's definitely going to happen. But I would all, yeah, I would also like to see a, like, more traditional Zelda. Yeah, screen. I mean, I think it'd be cool to take the Breath of the Wild engine and do something that's a little bit more traditional you know with like seven dungeons and 
seven dungeons and way less motion controls built around the Wii U <laughs> gamepad. I think this is great, you know. Um, Breath of the Wild was a great game that people really loved, and I think um, it's a good time for more Zelda, right? Uh, we've got, I think we've got some stuff on the way also, right? Like some yeah, other... uh, Link's Awakening. So, yeah, so I think this as Rhythm of Hyrule. kind of the the culmination of all that kind of stuff, whatever this next game ends up being, I think that'd be fantastic. And I love it when Nintendo keeps a steady, you know, cadence of their triple A, you know, character titles coming out over the years. Mm -hmm. So I really hope that this is something that we see come to fruition, you know, in a couple, few years from now. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we have, like, multiple Zelda games in development right now is it's a good time to be a Zelda fan, for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. I'm very, very, very excited for this, just because, like, I have missed a few Zeldas in between, but I've never played a bad Zelda game, really. I know that CDIs exist and shit, so, like, don't get me started on that. But, I mean, it's, like, every time I play a Zelda game, it's a stellar game. Breath of the Wild blew me away, and just... They they are on fire, so let them do what they want to do. Like, as soon as you said New Zelda, I'm just... I'm in... I don't care if it's a weird derivative or something. I'll probably play Shut it. up and take my money! Yeah, I'm kind of like that now, cause, <laughs> because, like, seriously, man, like, you, you told me Link's Awakening is coming back, and, like, I can't believe that shit uh, on the Tales of Breath of the Wild, and then, like, which is the like... idea of, of more Zelda, and it's like, these guys are killing it, and I'm, and I'm down for more, so. Hell yeah. Good on them. Hell yeah. Uh, so speaking of new game announcements, we got a couple this week, uh, some of which are pretty interesting and long-awaited. Uh, kicking things off, we had the official reveal trailer and the promise of more information on April 2nd of Borderlands 3. Like, fucking Woo! finally, right? Like, Dude, guns with legs. <laughs> yeah. Guns I with know. legs. <laughs> oh. All right, so, all right, I know you boys are very excited. Go ahead. This is your Kingdom Hearts 3 moment. Let's go. I mean, I didn't wait nearly as long. So, yeah, that's cool. But, no, Borderlands, I've always enjoyed a ton, and I never thought I would until I played it, and it was just so much fun. And, goddamn, even the Telltale game of Borderlands, I, I loved. So, just... Uh, the Telltale game's yeah, so and, good. You know, the trailer... I thought for this was really cool. I feel like they knew what they were they were speaking to. Like, you know, we've been waiting for a new game, um, something like really new, and not like the pre sequel was okay, but like this game just blew. The trailer was yeah. just so fucking cool, man. Like every step of the way, you know, the music went cool with it. You know, it got me pumped. Like I don't really get that hype from trailers, and this one really did it for me. Dude, I don't even like Borderlands, and this trailer was hype as fuck. Yeah, like. and like I just I love Gearbox's approach to this. I just love that they're like fuck it, like guns with legs. You know, they just don't they they can go that far. They, they, they're like we've you heard know. your prayers. You wanted yeah. guns with legs and dubstep. We got it. Yeah, and like the the old characters are there, and like you know, just there's just so much going on. And for a fan of the series, even if not, like you said, the trailer got you hyped. But for a fan, man, like this this was really cool. This was cool to see that they they gave so much love into this just for this announcement like there's there's not even like you know this is the first thing and there's so much out of this already so i'm i'm, I'm ultra hype this is cool as hell oh yeah i'm in absolutely the same boat um the sort of the mmo loot 
cycle never really set off the serotonin reactors in my brain, but man, yeah, there's borderlands. Same. I don't, yeah, I don't like that stuff normally. It's just like, <laughs> I don't like grinding and killing stuff unless it's to grind and kill stuff, and then they shoot a like drop a purple gun, and it's like, oh my god, it's yeah, a purple yeah. gun. Just the wild amount of variation you could get between like one run to the next, yep. and like you know the, the millions of billions of guns, or whatever. Um, that is not an understatement. Even in the old games, I feel like I never even got every yeah. gun. And this game, I can't even. Oh God, you, you can't. They're like procedurally generated, yeah. so there's. Well, like, I, so I feel many like there's still entire like types that I've missed, and I've played that forever. So this, yeah. this I can't even wait um, for. I will forever love any series with guns that, when you reload, instead of reloading them, you throw them and they explode. Yeah, like yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah, just it's like they have very creative outlook on stuff, you know. It's it's just like screw it, like you don't have a clip, you just toss the gun and it blows up. Like that weird, but I love it, you know. And and they've had a lot of time, I think, to to you know ruminate on like what made the series special and stuff. And um, I just oh man, I I really hope that Handsome Jack's back somehow. I really do. <laughs> I know he's like kind of tropey, but god damn, I love him. My my big question is what does Borderlands 3 look like in a, like, post-Destiny games-as-service world? Because they're kind of the original looter-shooter, and now that's, like, a genre that's hot. Yeah. That's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Like, they have real competition out there now. And, like, Gearbox needs this to be a hit. Yeah, they do. Honestly, I think if... I think they have a hit on their hands if they say, like, Borderlands 3 is a complete experience out of the box. Um, all you need to do is buy this game, play it with your friends for as long as you want. We're not going to, you know, have an expansion model. They're going to have an expansion model because every Borderlands game had a bunch yeah. of DLC. But, like, I if they can distinguish themselves from the, the games as service, like, always online Destiny Division kind of looter shooter... Like, even if it's just a, like, yeah, there's still these events and things, but the focus is on the story, not on, you know, random instances showing up in the world every 12 hours. Yeah, and I think I think they did do that, because they, in the one part of the trailer, you could see uh, uh, one character from Tales from Borderlands, which is, you know, Telltale's thing, so obviously, like, they gave a shit enough to even include that into the story. I, I think that, uh... Like, I'd be surprised if this wasn't a hit. I mean, the reaction that I saw on the internet was very, very positive. And people seem to really love everything that was shown in this trailer. And it looks like a lot of fun. I uh, I ignored Borderlands because it just didn't look... Uh, it just wasn't appealing to me. Like, the first one mm-hmm. and the second one didn't care about. This looks like a blast. And I don't know much about it. I have obviously have no history with it, but... Uh, I'm. I was excited about this because of how excited everybody else was. It just seemed like it was infectious, and then hearing yeah. you guys how excited you all are for this, this is cool. And I'm excited that, um, like you said, that this is the original looter shooter. I think that this differentiates itself from those games based on the fact that it looks completely different. Yeah, you know? all those games look like clones of each other. This is something that's fresh and different and fun, and it's the first. That's what's so funny about it. You would think that the first 
kind of the of these games would be some soulless like Call of Duty type we're humans with guns and we're gonna kill and army. This isn't that. This is wacky. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Borderlands definitely has its own personality. Yeah. Right. And that's totally and, unique. Yeah, and that's that's awesome. And I actually believe that it'll be successful, but I want it to be successful on top of believing that. Dude, nothing would make like nothing makes me more happy when I like don't like something and I'm like I don't like this. This isn't for me. I'm not a fan and then like they win me over. Like I would sure. love to love Borderlands 3. But yeah, even like, even if I don't like it, even if I even if Borderlands never speaks to me and it it might not, you know? Um its aesthetic has never really appealed to me very much. Like I want this to win because Gearbox is a good developer with unique ideas and a unique voice, and like they need this to be a hit. They need this to make money. They've had a couple flops um, in a row. Uh, people yeah. forget Evolve, but hey, I liked it. And I, it, I know, <laughs> but yeah, I played it when it went free to play, and it was cool. Like I, I always thought it was a good idea, but th- and then they had that other fucking the Overwatch thing. You remember that? Which one? Um, oh wait, yeah, they, they did paladins. No, 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 not paladins. No, not pa- um, the other one. Battleborn. Yeah, that was them too. Yeah, yeah. That's that. I'm gonna stand up for Battleborn here for a second. I'm not saying it's bad. No, no. I. It wasn't that much like Overwatch, but Blizzard wanted you to think it was because Overwatch was better. So why would you ever play Battleborn? Right. And like it worked. So it's like they yeah. they just need a win. And I think Borderlands is their flagship IP. It's their bread and butter. Like it's the perfect chance for them to come back and show us they can still make a hit and you know make the money that they need to make frankly, but also like I think maybe like breathe some life into the kind of monotony of like the looter shooter that everyone is chasing Destiny right now and like maybe they can like zag when everyone else is zigging and like do something that's like in that vein that learns from those competitors like destiny and anthem and the division um because you got to think that they're going to want to make a game that people are playing for months and years after it comes out not just you play the story and you're done you know like it it needs to have more than that and i'm sure it will but i think this is really a chance for them to kind of like turn the ship around and like get back on top I I don't think this game's coming out for a long no. time though. They just announced it like it's got to be uh, at least two years away. They just announced it. They also were like, yeah, you know, we're bringing all these enhanced features to the, the like Borderlands Two on Xbox and PS4, and like they're bringing the first Borderlands to the modern gen consoles. So like, it's yeah, sometime. I think this is at least two to four years away. I'm I'm gonna be surprised if I'd say like early 2021, you know, like that would. I mean, that's like just shy of two years right now, so like yeah. right about this time in two years. But like, I think that's no sooner than that. That's unless reasonable. Unless they're holding on, you know, maybe they've been working on this for a while. I don't know, but they're, I don't think so. I think that this is this is pretty much, you know, it, it, I mean, like you know what? I'll give them all the time they need. I don't care. Yeah, like that was a hype trailer. We didn't see anything that was like in engine, you know. So sure, like, absolutely. N- who knows how well, far you along know, they are? That's probably how it's gonna look because most of the time, like it, 
having played the games, I mean, like... Sure. I yeah. just mean, like, actual, like, moment-to-moment gameplay was not something oh, we've right, ever seen. Right, yeah, so it's that. like, I don't think that... I don't think this game is close. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, but no, take the time that they need, you know? Like... Bake a great cake. <laughs> I just hope people aren't sick of that kind of game by the time they finally get it out and they have another, like, no. victim of timing <laughs> flop. You know? No, no. If anything, I'm I'm hoping that like them in two years, people will be sick of playing Destiny Anthem and everything else, and they'll be like, mm, "Borderlands Three looks pretty fucking good," and we're all disenfranchised looter shooter people. Let's hop on that. You know? Yeah, maybe so. Maybe yeah. I, I don't maybe know. So. We'll see. All right. So uh, next up, we got the announcement of um, Cyber Shadow, which is the first game that Yacht Club, who is the team behind Shovel Knight, is publishing. Uh, so this is being developed by Mechanical Head Studios, which is, uh, this is like their first game. I'm pretty sure it's like a one-person team, or it's like a very, very, very tiny team. And um, Yacht Club is basically like, they've been overseeing the games like Polish. And, um, you know, so like, it definitely seems like it's going to be... Okay, yeah, so it is a one-man team. It's uh, Arn Mechaskull Hunziker. Cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's like, it, it looks a lot kind of like Ninja Gaiden. It's like, a you know, mecha ninja game. And I don't know, it looks, it looks tight. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of, of Yacht Club and Shovel Knight. And, you know, this trailer makes it look like it's a pretty tight game. The music's fucking bumping. So I'm, uh, I'm definitely going to give this one a shot because their name's on it. And I want to show my support. Um, but did, what did you guys think about this trailer? It's fine. It looked fine. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Hmm. What about you, Thompson? Um, uh, honestly, like I, I thought this looked better than Shovel Knight to me. I, I, I really like the way this looked. <gasps> Blasphemous. <laughs> I mean, I played Shovel Knight with you like almost all the way through, right? I mean, didn't we? Yeah, like halfway did... through. Yeah, yeah. We got we got far, and so we put a lot of time into it. And, like I've, I, whatever. We played a lot. My point <laughs> is. I I saw Yacht Club happy. I enjoy what they do. I love this kind of you know graphics, uh, music's great, all that stuff. Hype on it, and I think the momentum of this got me more, like the faster pace than Shovel Knight, because mm-hmm. like just like the dashing, running through enemies, you know, just just a lot of that like momentum, like really reminded me of like Mega Man levels a little bit, you know, with a lot of the power ups on the sword. I don't know, just I got a good feeling about this game. Yeah, I'm I'm right. definitely I'm definitely into it. Um, I think it, it, it's hitting some good notes for me and, uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to, going to give it a shot. So, yeah. And also like they fought or Yacht Club in general finally got off of, you know, all the, what, how many years on Shovel Knight. So it's yeah. like, I, well, I just, yeah. And they, they've been talking about like becoming a publisher for a while now Like they were like, Oh, we're going to publish our first like non in-house developed game, you know? And like, we're really excited about that. And I was like, all right, like, let me see it. You know, it's like yeah. finally getting something else from them is really right. cool. It's, it's cool to see, you know, admit it, but also does feel a lot like the same style of Shovel Knight, which is really cool too. It's, yeah. It's, it's familiar and different. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm about it. Um, and then last up on this little just kind of announcement block, uh, we have, uh, how do you say this, Andy? Is it Day Dalek? Daedalic. Okay. Uh, so Daedalic is, has announced that they're going to be developing a new narrative-based action-adventure game called Lord of the Rings Gollum, uh, which is obviously 
going to be about the character, uh, you know, from Lord of the Rings fame. Um, and it's it's it, there's going to be new events and details related to Gollum's journey. So I guess we're going to be like getting to see some of that kind of like in between period of his life. Um, but here I, I've got a quote from their CEO, Carson uh, Fitchman from the Game Informer interview. And uh, it, it just kind of gives a little bit of information here. It says, We tell Gollum's story from a perspective never seen before in a storytelling medium, all the while st- staying true to the legendary books of J.R.R. Tolkien. At a time when the games industry is undergoing structural changes and seeing new business models evolve, we are excited to realize a huge new production based on a story that has stayed fresh and relevant for more than 60 years. So, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm really excited about this. Uh, it, they said it's going to release in 2021 on PC and quote all relevant console platforms at that time. So oh, Atari box. Ooh, that's <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Uh, uh, excuse me, they said relevant. <laughs> well, I thought the only one was Atari box by 2021. It's going to take over the entire industry. <laughs> Thompson, you're forgetting the soldier. Oh, right, game. the soldier box <laughs> or the boy. Obviously, <laughs> our favorite platform. Wasn't there another weird one coming out too? Like another off, strange old one on television or something? On television, yeah. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it'll be coming to all those platforms, you know? Um, But yeah, obviously, like, you know, pointing to, I would imagine, both Xbox One and PS4 as well as their successors at that point. Um, And the uh, one other thing is that the, the press release where this, like, announcement originates from said that this is the first but not only title that will come from a partnership between uh, Data, Data Lake Boom. There you go. and Middle Earth Enterprises. So more Lord Ooh. of the Rings games from them to come. But uh, so what do we think about this? Andy, I know you and I are both big Lord of the Rings fans. You were very excited yeah. by this announcement. I'm... I'm really excited. I have played a couple of games Daedalic made. Um, the Deponia games are pretty good sci-fi point and clicks. Um, I don't know how it's going to translate to like an action adventure game, as right. they're calling it. But I think it's good. I'm always excited for like, even if it's bad, more Lord of the Rings doesn't hurt the property. Like, the books and movies are phenomenal and you can't take that away from that and there's a shot this is really good so i'm nothing but excited on this can't wait to see more yeah me too hmm so i go ahead sean go for it okay i was gonna say uh i'm kind of on the same board with that like i am a huge nerd for lord of the rings just I was reading the Silmarillion when I was like twelve, which was not a good idea, but uh, <laughs> but I did, and and I I love the franchise and stuff, and I, I love some of these weird games we get over the years. Like there was I can't remember the name right now, but there was one uh, ages ago now, and it was you got to play as the bad guys, and you, you're like playing as fucking Sauron and killing hobbits and shit, and it's like I don't care, you can't hurt the franchise. Like Andy said, I love these games, I love dumb things about Lord of the Rings. I'll play any of them. I played the movie tie-ins on the PlayStation, like some of those uh, were dope. Yeah, some are pretty good, you know, and some some games aren't. I have the War of the Ring on the computer. I have Battle from Middle Earth. Like I love the series. So, an action adventure Gollum game? Fuck it, why not? You know? Yeah, I don't really care. Surprise me. And if this is just the first of many, like I'm definitely in because, uh, really, I, I'll pretty much play anything they create unless it's like, it's gotta be something like really stupid, you know, like like a <laughs> fucking like puzzle, just in, like a 
like a Plants vs. Zombies game I wouldn't play. If it was Lord of the Rings themed, like, <laughs> eh, yeah, whatever. But if it's like anything involving the series and you're there and you interact with it, I'm pretty much down. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really surprised that you guys are excited for this. This seems kind of odd. Oh, it's odd. We were... <laughs> huh? Oh, it's definitely odd. I didn't know we were still making Lord of the Rings games. That's uh, why I'm excited, because we're Shadow not. Of, uh, Shadow of War just came out like a year ago. I didn't know we were still making Lord of the Rings games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Amazon's making that TV show. we got to capitalize on the property while it's hot. Sure, that makes sense. It's coming back. But because of that, that you know, from that perspective, like there are 50 characters from Lord of the Rings that I can think of who you'd want to see like a game around, or just it's all Action-adventure around right. them. <laughs> right. It, it, like, Gollum does not fit for that, and that's why I'm interested. <laughs> all right. All right. Fair enough. Because he's, he's sneaky. He's got to, you know, he can't come in and, like, with a sword and shield run in guns blazing like like Boromir and, you know, die. So it's like, you know, he's got he's to be tricksy. And that's why I'm interested. But isn't that what you want to do? Like, I don't know. I, <laughs> I enjoy yeah. playing... Lord of the Rings PS2 games; those were those were fun. I would love to play something like that, but uh, this just doesn't. This is not what I will be doing after watching the Amazon series and being hyped off it. I mean, so, this could take place in his life before he was like disheveled and really deformed, and maybe he was still more hobbity and like you know able to have dexterity better and hold a sword. Could could be any point in his life. So yeah. I don't know. I think Gollum's a good choice for this kind of thing because, like, he's such a big character and Tolkien never really touched on what happened to him between finding the ring and then Bilbo taking the ring in The Hobbit. (laughs) Like, there's reams and reams and reams of, like, this is everyone's backstory and everything Aragorn ever did (laughs) in his life. But it's like, Gollum was just there. And everyone forgot about him because he's not relevant to the history of that world until the very, very end. Until it mattered, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And so, like, I'm interested to see them sort of fill that out. I think it's a, it's an interesting... It's, it's definitely an interesting place to start for if they're going to be making multiple Lord of the Rings games. Yeah, I, I, I think that's... Part of why it's exciting for me, too, is that it is just, like, something that's, like, unique that, like, we've never done before. And, like, how how do they make something like that work? You know? Um, so, I don't know. I, I think that's... I think that's cool. You know? I, I know it's, like, it's it's a little unorthodox, but I think that's what makes me so intrigued by it. So, I'm, I'm interested to see how it comes out. I'm definitely going to be paying attention, for sure. All right, so moving right along, we get into the uh, kind of sad section of the show, uh, to be quite honest with you. Um, the, this next one is that there have been a pretty considerable amount of layoffs to hit EA this week. Uh, they had to fire 300 and, oh, I should say layoff, 350 people um, last, uh, I think it was Thursday. And um, I think that was representative of 4% of their staff. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, because they're a 9,000 person company, so yeah, it's 4%. And, I thought more uh, people would have worked there. What's that? I really thought more than 9,000 would have worked there, to be honest with you. 
just how, yeah. how massive they are, but that's surprising, yeah. Um, so Andrew Wilson, who's the CEO of EA, did put out a, uh, you know, like kind of like a brief statement on the EA, like official blog, um, which I'll just, you know, pull a couple quotes from real quick here. Uh, so today we took some important steps as a company to address our challenges and prepare for the opportunities ahead. As we look across the changing world around us, it's clear that we must change with it. We're making a deliberate move. Uh, I'm sorry, we're making deliberate moves to better deliver on our commitments, refine our organization, and meet the needs of our players. Um, so, oh yeah, and then, um, sorry, there's another thing. He said, this is a difficult day. These are important but very hard decisions, and we do not take them lightly. We are friends and colleagues at EA. We appreciate and value everyone's contributions, and we are doing everything we can to ensure we are looking after our people to help them through this period and find the next opportunity, to find their next opportunity. This is our top priority. So, um, you know, obviously... These these announcements are always sad, and you know you never want to see people out of work. So you know, of course, like our hearts go out to those affected by the layoffs, um, and you know we wish them luck. It sounds like EA is doing at least some, you know, um, support to those who are being affected by the layoffs, which is good. Uh, but you know, it's it's always tough when when these kind of things happen, especially when it's so many people, and it's surprising, like. The fact that it happened so close to the Activision Blizzard stuff does not bode well for all these people who are looking for jobs, you know? No. Right. I... So, I think this sucks, and my heart, you know, like you said, goes out to the people involved. But I do think it's a... Honestly, it's a big step up that we're even talking about it. Like, that used to be the norm in video games. Yeah. You'd work on your game, you'd you'd finish it, you'd get through the crunch, and then as soon as it was all done, there's no more work, so half the studio gets laid off. And that sucked, but that was just the way it was, and I think it's great that we've moved away from, well, this is just the way it is, so... Yeah, I agree. At the same time, we should stop laying people <laughs> off. I, I wonder, do we know how many, or like what type of staff was let go? for like is it is it like uh you know art is it actually game designers at all or any any game related or is it just like you know um social media people or stuff like uh you know extra maybe it was genuine cuts versus you know um i'm sure like obviously some like game stuff got cut but if we know maybe some of the breakdown of it would be i don't know if they got into that far though uh, it, it does say we've made changes to our marketing and publishing organization, our operations teams, and we are ramping down our current presence in Japan and Russia as we focus on different ways to serve our players in those markets. So I think okay. I think it sounds like it's just kind of like a general restructuring. Right. And like I, you said, I, it's layoffs, right? It's not like full Yeah, fires. it's layoffs. Um, and I know that they, I, I think they got rid of, like, a significant number of people in Japan. I remember seeing that on Twitter. It seems like they, like, kind of just shut down their operations in Japan because, you know, I guess maybe they're not serving that market as effectively as they want to. Sure. I mean, it's, yeah, it's interesting when you see, like, who actually goes, you know, when there's lots of lots of cuts to be made like i'm always interested especially for that kind of stuff because like andy said like a lot of times this is the kind of shit where games would be done and people just are gone because of it um 
I can I guess I can understand more if it's like you know social media or like marketing and stuff just because like you know those those departments always wax and wane you know there really isn't like they might like you said closing down Japan's market then you don't need those people necessarily mm-hmm. so it just makes sense that's what happened I mean there was this, I can't remember the last one like we were talking about um some office closed so those people um had to go with it because like that's just how that goes right if that zone is gone so yeah your not, job like, just doesn't exist anymore right it's not like they could it's not like they could just say like well your game's done so bye you know like it's less i guess it's less hurtful than that and it does sound like they're making you know some kind of measures and here i go sound like i'm an ea apologist but um i'm always i'm just trying to look at it from the most you know like objective standpoint of what they actually had to do like are they malicious about it like no i don't think this was a malicious attack on people so it that's a that's a huge difference than like what has happened in the past and i'm like andy said like that's that's a really big step so as bad as this is um it's i guess the best outcome for the the reality of the circumstances you know it's not a great situation to start so yeah it, you know we never nobody ever wants to hear that people lost their jobs especially in large numbers that sucks but it's the reality of business it's the reality of 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 what that is and um in a lot of ways gaming gaming is kind of like um it reminds me of construction work where you know you work on a project and then the project is done and then that's that's that you know until the next project comes up um and uh, that's that's crappy because you want job security. Obviously, um, nobody wants to be in a in a position where they could lose their job at any given time. But uh, this is what it is, and this is what it's been. And EA seems to be doing what they can to make this an easier transition for people, and that's great. Um, but you know, I think if job security is important to you then gaming might not be the space to get into. It's a, it's a volatile market, yeah. And yeah. I think, like, the one thing that's interesting, too, is, like, the more we go into games as a service, right, there's a more consistency after a project is finished to keep staff on because, like, there's a service and there's updates and there's need for people to be there rather than just, like, we release the game and we'll patch it once in a while. It's an ongoing project, so... I don't know. I mean, that's, like, kind of a benefit of this. Maybe that's why you know some of these cuts aren't as as big as they could have been because you know if they got they got i mean like they're really just anthem came out right and obviously it's not doing great but i can't say that this is like a direct result of that kind of stuff but you can see the need for staff to keep it going if they want to turn it around they'd have to make a cut somewhere and then they say well the japan office closed there we go yeah i mean i think it's just about the fact that like companies only have so many resources, right? And, like, if their operations in Japan and Russia are not profitable or are not a priority for them, um, so they get less resources, so they don't succeed, so it's, like, this self-fulfilling prophecy of it's not contributing anything. Yeah, like, you're right. Like, that's money that they can cut there and, like, reinvest into the things that they are trying to make work and the things that are working better, you know? And I think, like, a company sure. as big as EA, like, you know, we say 9,000 people and it doesn't sound like that much. But for a video game company, it's a lot. Um, and well, it sounds, it's, I just thought it was bigger even. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just one of those things that, like, you know, it's a lot of people and it is and it is sad. But I think the reality of it is that, like, 
you know, they they do need to manage their resources properly. And especially when they have been having a tough year and a tough couple of years in some regards, like, you know, it, it, it makes sense to, you know, I think try to focus on what's working and like limit your scope in the places that you don't really have the resources to pay more attention, you know? So it's uh, obviously it's it's definitely not um, a good situation, but I did find uh, a, an additional quote here that I wanted to add to the conversation from uh, Jason Triers, aka what an actual real video games journalist looks like. Uh, his article on the subject, um, an EA rep said uh, that, "quote Yes, we are working with employees to try and find other roles inside the company." And for those that are leaving the company, we will also be providing severance and other resources. I'm not able to provide the details on the severance, but we work hard to be as helpful as we possibly can. So it sounds like there's also a chance that some of these people may find work within EA in another spot. Yeah, that's great. So as long as they, you know, tried even, I mean, that's more than a lot of people do. So yeah. Um, And I I think like, you know, as long as everybody's walking away with a severance and, you know, like, apparently, like, according to Jason's article, like, people have known that this was happening for a while, so it's not, like, totally coming out of nowhere and, like, they're getting dropped with no support. So, um, you know, hopefully, uh, best of luck to all affected and I hope hope you land on your feet. Uh, so, move right along. Not a week too soon. Uh, we have a... You know, I think the most positive conclusion we could get on arguably the saddest story that we've ever covered on VGP. Um, so those who are longtime listeners will remember uh, we, we covered the case of, um, you know, the uh, Tyler Barris, a.k.a. Swatistic, and um, the swatting incident between the two Call of Duty players. This happened a long time ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he is finally been sentenced to 20 years in prison whoa according to the ap uh so obviously this is uh you know great news um you know obviously like it's it doesn't change the horrible stuff that happened because of this story um but you know like it it doesn't bring back andrew finch but uh it you know it does set a precedent that People who, you know, yeah. swat and try to play games with people's lives, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's, that there, there are consequences. Is he eligible for parole at all? Uh, it- I Let me check the AP article. I have kind of the summary from Variety here. I... Well, while you look that up. Yeah, yeah, go uh, for it. You guys share your thoughts. This is exactly what needed to happen. He needed to be punished harshly for this. Uh, It sucks the idea of any person losing out on 20 years of their life. And that's hard. I mean, when you think about what that means, you know, on this show, none of us are older than I think I'm the oldest person. No, Thompson, you're the oldest person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So imagine if you were away for 20 years of your life I how know. much would you have missed out on it's, that's a long long time it's like my life yeah yeah but consequences need to exist for stuff like this and it's not one mistake this is flagrant 
You know, he yeah, did he this was a, a lot. serial swatter. Right. It, it's it's cut and dry when you see how many times this this man was involved with this. So twenty years doesn't. That's why I'm curious about the parole. If they were like twenty years eligible at five, maybe. from what I, I saw, there's no mention of it. I mean, fair enough, right? Dude played with lives and that kind of shit already is like, you know, the, the 911 call stuff is already an illegal action if you're not like, you know, if you're just fucking around, obviously, obviously. But to like actively, you know, toy with life and death like that, it's just insane. He He's in prison. Like his imprisonment is exactly what I think that prison is for. To put people away who are too dangerous to be in society. Right. He's too dangerous to be in society. He cannot control himself. He cannot stop doing that. Now, would he do it again? Probably not, because, you know, <laughs> this is an awful experience. But even so, not only does he need to be away from society because he's dangerous, but what he did cost a life. And in some people's minds, this punishment should be harsher than what it is. Because he is directly the reason why somebody is no longer yeah. alive. A person who did nothing wrong at all. He wasn't was involved even involved. In, not involved in nothing. A regular everyday human that's dead now. Yeah. So good for um, this guy. Honestly, looking at it. the article, part of me doesn't think it's enough because he wasn't charged on murder. He's on like twenty, like fifty different counts of wire fraud and oh, like oh. threats, but like. Oh right. And, nope. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Obstruction. But no manslaughter. Not even like. Yeah. I feel like you should be charged with accidental manslaughter. I I, I guess Andy, you'd know better. Nope. But like, there's a there's a whole doctrine in criminal like law called felony murder, directly where shoot a man if a person dies in the commission of a felony that you are committing, like you're charged as murder, even if you're not the one to pull the trigger. Like if you, if you and I decide we're gonna rob a liquor store. You're going to be the getaway driver. I'm going to so, be the guy with the okay. gun. If I shoot the clerk, right. you've committed murder. Right, but you end up shooting. All right, then. Well, that's fucked up. I mean, yeah, he did wire fraud and all that crap, too. I'm sure that, you know, obviously he got sentenced for that. So, uh, But to, to not have the charge of that uh, specific action, you know, with the death, which is like really the whole point right. of like this, I think, you know, that like that this, he would have kept doing it if someone didn't die. I mean, he didn't get caught otherwise. It, right. So, I mean, that's really the whole point of this. So I don't it's know. a good thing. I, I guess they, I mean, somehow I guess they got him um, off that charge. I, I don't know, man, but, but it's, it's kind of fucked up. I don't know. I feel like he should be away for longer. I agree with that. Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to look at yeah. this, though, and go, eh, that wasn't that bad. I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah. You know? Like, I think anyone who's inclined to feel afraid be- because there are finally reactions on the law side to this are yeah. going to go, oh, you know what? It ain't worth it. It ain't that funny. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I really hope so, man. You know? There's always going to be people who push push the line and those ones will always be there that's fine but i really hope for like the the casual layman in this horrible thing that they you know think twice because seriously like it's it's messed up and also like now there's consequences precedent finally you know we can really actually say like oh look this is what's gonna happen and and like not to make light of this 
situation, but is this not also the the most oh, yeah. loserest thing to be doing? No, 24? it really is. It's like, insanely is so childish lame. and pathetic. It's it's one of the it's like it's ridiculously sad how like that is what he got off on. You know, like I I'm not like really one to judge too many people, but. When you when you hear that like oh would you go for oh like, I just couldn't help with like my Halo friends and stuff like go oh, fuck yourself dude like like it, it's lame like you you just have I don't know it, there's <laughs> nothing I guess because like you know we're not like immature little babies I can't relate to this at all like, I've never <laughs> once like I can be a devious asshole in video games and like you know Kotor I loved killing people and I love I love the ways you can be you know a, a complete asshole in games I never would have thought mm-hmm. to do this in real life this is such a weird way to go about getting your rocks off you know it's 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 just weird it like when we first talked about this i didn't even know this existed this kind of stuff and you guys were all aware of it and i was like what the fuck have i been missing out on because i just never would have fathomed something so preposterous but hey here we are thank god there's like you said it's a good uh it's good it happened on this episode you know it's poetic yeah, yeah it really right? is it really is so um yeah i mean it's i i think Obviously, it would have been great to see him get more punishment on this, but I'm. I think twenty years is seems That's like a good it, chunk of his life. Yeah, good precedent He'll be in to his forties when he gets out. Uh, so moving right along, um, we have uh, a a much more positive story to end our our, our new segment out here, um, which is that Comcast is set to build the first ever dedicated esports arena in South Philly. Uh, so this is going to be the first, um, like, arena that's specifically dedicated to video game events in the country. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it, I'm, I'm very curious about that. Is it just because they're calling it an arena? Because I know, like, Blizzard has that theater in L.A. that they use for Overwatch, right? I think that's also used by another... Like sports team. This is just like the Isn't first it? dedicated one. Is what you're trying to say? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I think you know, there's obviously there's tournaments all over for things, but they're always shared with other you know places. I don't know about the Overwatch. One, yeah, I mean I'd... specifically the Philly.com article that I'm referencing says that it will construct the first arena for gaming fans in the U.S. I guess because no other theater or place was built for that idea yeah is what they're getting at you know it's like oh from the ground up this is a project for this you know we've converted other ones we've you know bought them out or whatever but no this is like a straight up project for gamers this is a gaming owned arena yeah just interesting you know like comcast has like as for all their faults they have a very fast internet and and i get advantage of that for where i am at least so if they can hook it up with you know like hey we built this building to be like for gaming ultra fast and everything and you know like they theoretically could create a really cool place yeah man i'm trying to fucking buy my house in south philly now before uh this shit crops up <laughs> the, the, the property gets way more expensive it'd like, yeah it'd be uh, really interesting p like, you're gonna be close to this place i'm gonna be like now. right in the hotbed of this shit man yeah, yeah i'm really excited to see how it pops off yeah I'm going to be so mad if I, like, I'm like, oh, yo, I want to get a job here. And it's like, ah, I have to work for fucking Comcast. I hate mm. Comcast. It's like the local Walmart <laughs> taking over. I'll have to go delete all, like, 
all my tweets about how much I hate Comcast. <laughs> hey, listen, man. Like, you, whether you like it or not, this country's been carved up by internet fiefdoms, and Comcast <laughs> is just where we are. Internet so fiefdoms. they're our lord right now. You can't... That's what it is, dude. There's little kingdoms and, like, little pockets, duchies of them, if you will, and they all carved out the country, and they don't want to step on each other's toes, and this is Comcast <laughs> domain, so you're going to be... You ain't getting out of it. This is where we are. <laughs> you can't change allegiances like that. <laughs> so, uh, the... Basically, the intent for it is to be used by the uh, the Philadelphia Fusion, which is uh, the Comcast-owned Overwatch team. Um, but it's uh, it's going to be used for a lot of other events. They said it's um, so it's it's a fifty million dollar project. That's absurd. Which is wild. <laughs> okay. Buildings are expensive. Um, yeah, and they they <laughs> plan to break ground on it this summer. It's going to be a forty-seven acre stadium complex. Um, and oh it's going to seat 3,500 people. So it's massive. <laughs> pretty big. Uh, it's right next to the Xfinity Live. And then like wow. it's right near like Citizens Bank Park and the Wells Fargo Center. So it's like right in like the sports complex of Philly. Yeah, yeah. And um, Boy. yeah, I mean, this is. Yeah, so here it is. Uh, Nate Nanzer, who's the commissioner for the Overwatch League, says that there's never been a special purpose esports arena, quote, built anywhere. This is a huge step for esports. This is something that we will see pop up all over the world. And uh, they said that basically, in addition to being the home of the fusion, it's also going to be a... uh, They want it to be like a major hub for East Coast gaming events because like there isn't currently a space like that on the East Coast. Um, like there is in, in California, obviously. What about MAGFest? Doesn't that count? But that's like an event. Like, it, okay. they mean like, they mean like for like esports events. So, oh, you know, like if they were going to have like the US Smash tournament, like they right, could have right. it at Philadelphia, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> so, yeah, um, it's, it's kind of fucking wild, man. Uh, so here's another quote that, that's based on that. Uh, this is Joe Marsh, who's the chief business offer, officer for Spectator Gaming and the Philadelphia Fusion, said, uh, the East Coast does not have a hub for gaming. On the gaming side, we think we will keep the building lit up most of the year. So they said that they have plans to have uh, about 120 events a, a year in the arena. Um, they said that there will also be... Um, some non-gaming events, including like TED Talks and then like elect- uh, like EDM and K-pop concerts, so like more geek stuff basically. And uh, they're still looking to like sell arena like name naming rights, you know, to get like whoever wants to stick their name on this fucking thing. So we don't know what it's going to be called yet. But um, yeah, I mean, like it looks like it's going to be a pretty big deal. And uh, it seems like they have plans to maybe get it as open. It says that the it's expected to open as early as 2021. So cool. that's pretty cool. Pretty wild, man. Yeah, overall, this is really neat, man. I'm glad that you're moving really close to it. So when I have to go hang out with you and in the place I don't like to go. We can go, go we'll catch a nice fusion to... game, man. You want to yeah, go see yeah. the fusion it's, it's on really Friday cool. night? Yeah, actually, no. I'm saying that's that's actually really fucking cool. It's like, gonna be neat. I, I have I have never really considered like I don't really watch esports stuff, but if they have like 120 events and like I'm assuming it's not 120 Overwatch games. It's like yeah, come uh, on, you guys want to go get drunk and go sit in the nosebleeds and watch some OWL or something? I mean, no, I want to watch StarCraft <laughs> or other stuff like that. You know, uh, like I said, no. if it's not Overwatch, I'm fine. I don't want to watch Overwatch. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought you guys had something else. <laughs> I know. I was, I was waiting to see if Sean or Andy was going to jump in. That's all I had to say. All right, so that's going to take us into our Mean Potatoes this week, which is a uh, a wild little game that I've cropped up for us, uh, where we are going to be naming the Video Game Pals definitive top three best video games of all time. Oh, man. And huh. it, it is – that Sean's reaction is because this is going to be a ridiculous game based on almost nothing. So that's why definitive yeah. <laughs> is in quotes. Um, <laughs> with so, like 10 asterisks and <laughs> yeah yeah but it's gonna be a fun experience i think so essentially uh i've created a little game for us here where uh each of us has chosen our we, we each made a list of our top three games of all time and uh, i placed them in a randomizer to create a march madness like kind of style bracket where we're going to narrow down that list of 12 like we have uh what is it one two three four five six um i should have known that that's easy uh we have six six brackets right now which will go to three who those three will then you know like be our our top three list you know so um how it's gonna work out is each one of us has our game to like argue for and then those two people are gonna have to choose the judge for the round um, so like one of our, you know, quote, we'll, we'll call us quote unquote impartial judges. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll get the flow of this when we just jump into it. So let's just start with our first round. And remember these were randomized. I didn't set these myself. Uh, so, you know, if, if the matchups seem weird or unfair, I, you got to blame it on chance, baby. That RNG, <laughs> it's the core nature of video games. Uh, Wait, so... What? <laughs> the core Dice nature rolls. Uh, new topic of the Pete. show why is that the worst statement Pete's ever said <laughs> I was just, I'm looking at this list and I gotta say you put two of the things that for me are, are against games that I almost had on my list so you, you fucked me All right. I didn't fuck you I literally <laughs> didn't pick these at all it was I know, a randomizer I know, but it's uncanny how I fucked know. I just got I know you really did and and that's why I yeah. think this is the best and this is literally the first bracket it gave me I didn't even set it this way but it's perfect number yeah, yeah. one is Metal Gear Solid 3 Andy versus The Last of Us Thompson whoa yeah um, so the first thing first, so, we gotta Thompson, pick a, are you ready a judge, to argue right? against your favorite would you argue for your favorite game against one of your other favorite games <laughs> I, I gotta do this twice so, <laughs> this is horrible um andy why don't you start all right um so opening statements andy wait what's the time all right oh, yeah so we gotta figure I will that put, out uh, i'm gonna put what do we think is fair i i think like I think a minute might be too short. I think, like, maybe two minutes. Minute and a uh, half. All right. Yeah. Um, so minute and a half. So it's going to be judged by one of you guys? Or both you, yeah, of you, you guys? Yeah, you guys have to pick. Who okay. do you want the judge oh. to be, me or Sean? Oh, I want Pete to judge because I know Sean loves The Last of Us and I know Pete hasn't played either of these games. I've never played The no, Last of Us. No, he hasn't. You haven't. I, I've never no, no, I I played either game. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I, who do you think? I don't really care. Uh, I want to nominate Sean. Okay, fine. All right, so Sean, I'm putting I'm putting stopwatch on. Ready? Three, 
two, one. All right, Andy. So I guess I'm going first talking about Metal Gear Solid 3. Um, what is there that hasn't been said about this game? i got to come up with <laughs> something, I guess. <laughs> um, so Metal Gear Solid, you know, it's a stealth game series. Metal Gear Solid 3 is a huge shakeup from the first two, which took place in, like, this future, like, quasi-future world. Like, the first game came out in 1997 and set in 2002, I think. But uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 is set in the Cold War in Russia. You're dropped into the jungle with instructions from the CIA to extract a scientist because I forget what the reason is, but... It, it's like the beginning of the game stuff. You have this mission, and then at the end of it, your mission fails, your mentor betrays you, and then you sent back to kill your oldest friend. Um, it's got the coolest boss fights of any Metal Gear Solid game. Um, there's a really intense sniper battle against an old man. Um, it's got just great music. I really, oh man. I don't want to just make a statement. I just want to talk about this game. 15 seconds. 15 seconds. Um, pass. Thompson, go. <laughs> All right, tell me when to start the uh, Three, timer. Three, two, go. All right, Sean. There is a reason why when God of War was coming out and a bunch of other games, people said, this looks like The Last of Us because it's iconic. It's a great game. There's a reason why the PlayStation 4 launched with it because they were like, guess what? It's so fucking good. We know people didn't get to play it on the PS3, but we stand by this game so much. In the same way that the Switch has brought games from the Wii U, and you're like, wow, can't believe that game is on here and no one played it. The Last of Us is that game. But for the PlayStation, at least. I mean, I don't know if it's on something else, actually. So, But beyond that, it has everything that a, that a game in its genre needs. It has believable characters. It has lovable characters. It has reasons to not like them. No one's perfect. It's kind of like how The Walking Dead or other similar shows like just explore every facet of that. And the game, the title really does bring it out. Like The Last of Us, it's it's really about just what everyone's doing to survive all over different world. Um, there really isn't much more to say about it, man. Like there's a reason that you also have the game and haven't gotten into it yet. You bought it or got it for a reason. And that's all I'm trying to say. Ooh. The Last of Us is... It's just a great game, and you don't have to, like, I've seconds. talked about it forever, but, like, you don't have to have played it to know it's a good game. Other people have already compared it. I'm good. All right. Sean, in your honorable opinion, who is the winner? So, uh, I haven't played either game. I don't have a lot of familiarity with either one. I'm basing this solely off the arguments. It was Thompson. And I... What? It was Thompson. <laughs> I have to go with Thompson. Uh, I thought Thompson made a, be a better case for the game itself uh, in terms of building it up as something with prestige. Uh, I got I was into what Andy was saying, but I got a little lost at some point. Oh yeah, um, and I think uh, yeah, I, th I think Thompson won this round. All right, so The Last of Us takes the first round. I it's because it's so good. It's gonna be one. It's gonna I be on the top firmly three. agree with that. Um, I, I do have to say that Metal Gear Solid 3 is a hard game to just talk about. It's a great game to have a conversation about. Um, I love it. Everyone should still play it. <laughs> one, of my, uh, one of my alternates was Metal Gear Solid 3, and I also feel incredibly powerful about Metal Gear 3. So as much as it hurt me to do this, 
Yeah. I'm sorry, Andy. It's fine. I really love Metal Gear 3 also. It's fine. I'm way more prepared to talk about my other two. Had yeah. <laughs> All right. So the next round is Knights of the Old Republic being represented by Sean versus Pokemon Silver being represented Ooh. by yours Ooh. truly. My God. <laughs> what do you want judging these, boyos? Oh, my God. I don't these know. Are some great so, picks. <laughs> what do you think, Sean? I'm going to nominate Thompson. I feel like Thompson, I feel like, is is very emotionally invested in both of those games. I am. So I feel like, yeah. But it's, specifically it's, gold, if that matters to you. <laughs> well, I, I just picked, yeah, like that generation. Silver is okay. my game, you know. Gold, silver, perfect. crystal. Perfect, perfect. Okay. So uh, does somebody else want to run the timer while, it, while I'm going? or I'm getting it on my phone. Just give me one sec. Okay. All right. Who wants to go first? Uh, P can go first. That's fine. Okay. Cool. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Three, two, one, go. All right, guys. So we're talking about the second generation of Pokemon. Pokemon Gold, Silver, and Crystal is, I think, arguably the most core entry in the Pokemon franchise. Because I think, obviously, Blue, Red, and Yellow are OG. That's Gen 1. We all have very warm, fuzzy memories about those games. But they're rough around the edges. I think we can all admit that, right? Gold, Silver, and Crystal specifically are so perfect because they started making them before Pokemon was a worldwide phenomenon. It was made in that in-between period of when it was first coming out and before the anime and like the mass appeal of it really super influenced the design of the games. You know, so Gold and Silver and Crystal have that perfect sweet sauce of like opening the world up. It's got that like still that kind of like more weird old school feel that Pokemon used to have. It has one of the best dexes in the entire like franchise. Gen 2 has some of the best Pokemon ever, has a great set of starters. You got to go to Kanto when you beat the game. How fucking hype was that? Um, We had that battle with Red on Mount Silver like that took post-game content to the next level with Pokemon <coughs> at some level. That shit was awesome. 15 seconds. And I think just by and large, when I think back on what is the Pokemon game that, like, is the best overall, like, when you look at the the remakes, Heart, Gold, and Soul Silver, many people would say in the conversation for best Pokemon game of all time. And I think that You're has done. a lot to do with Gold, Silver, and Crystal. You're done. You're done. I didn't hear any of that last, that last line. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impartial. <laughs> All right. Um, Sean, are you ready? I am ready. All right. Three, two, one, go. So Knights of the Old Republic is the video game that puts Star Wars video games on the map. Knights of the Old Republic launched on the Xbox, and I don't know what people expected from it, but to this day, people can't stop talking about it. Knights of the Old Republic changed Star Wars in general. It expanded upon the lore of the Sith in ways that the movies never got around to, and it changed how the movies are talked about today because of what it had to introduce. Uh, it put Bioware on the map in a lot of ways. Um, it changed a lot of people's perspectives on what you could do with a franchise video game because of the time frame in which it came out. The Pokemon game, Silver, that Pete is referencing, is a great game. The difference between these two games is that Knights of the Old Republic is a definitive video game. It's a definitive video game, and it changed the way we think about a franchise that is worldwide. Whereas Pokemon Silver is a great game. That's a different situation that we're talking about. Knights of the Old Republic gave us fantastic Star Wars characters, 
books have been written on those characters. There's an entire MMO based around this particular video game. So the longevity of this game spans almost 20 years at this point. How many other game franchises can you even speak that way about? And I think when you come down to it, most people's top games of all time will include this game, whether it's in the list or (laughs) an honorable mention. Damn, guys. Oh, You didn't my hear God. that last line, right, Thompson? Oh, no, I didn't. But, <laughs> my God. Oh, you're fucking killing me. <laughs> oh, shit. So, this is this is really hard for me. Um, just give me, like, one second. Uh, hold on. Let me <laughs> drink coffee. All right. Sean wins. Reason being... Reason being, Pete... I don't want you to be upset. He got robbed. You, get, you he gave a great robbed. argument, but he's right. The the Kotor game it it changed how we view like the the Star Wars. It's like just the universe itself is forever manipulate the ripple effect of what it has done has has just has just done so much. And yeah, gold, silver, whatever has a great game core, everything post game even like you said, nothing's really been like that. And I I agree, but. Kotor is just monumental in its man its effect on what happened. We're talking about the best Listen, video the, the games, advances not the in most gold... influential Star Wars content. This is Pokemon we're talking about. The advances in the Pokemon me that game. There's not going to be one Pokemon here's, game in our top three. You kill me. Here's how me. I look at it, real quick. Just I don't want to upset you. The advances in the Pokemon game that you that you love and that one could have been in any game. It happened to be that game where Kotor is its own experience like that. It just came by and changed everything. The, you know, it you could say a like a whole new era that people massively overrate. You know, man, I have wow. to respect the outcome of the stupid game that I designed. <laughs> so, you know, like let's move on. I'm uh, just saying, I'm not happy about it, but hey, whatever. Next Don't round, swayed me. All right, so next round is World of Warcraft, represented by Sean, of course. And Majora's Mask, represented by our own Andy Brown. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I want Pete judging this one. I'm gonna nominate Thompson. Oh, Ooh. so now we have to flip a coin. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you have a? Co- I don't. Know. Okay, I know it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I have a D twenty. <laughs> we'll do okay. ones, odds, and evens. Okay. Uh, sure. Thompson, you want odds or evens? Yeah, I'll be odds. Okay. 17, Thompson's the judge. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't take this pressure. <laughs> That's good. I got this. <laughs> I haven't gotten to judge anything. Me neither. All right. Andy may go first. I don't want to go first. I want you to go first. I went first last time. Dice oh, roll. No. Yeah, you know what? Andy went first last time. You go, Sean. Whoa, 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 whoa. You How went second you last time, that? too. Ooh. How do you get to decide that? Because I just did. I made up the rules of the game. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I, I, I want a dice roll. Fine. Rude. Odds or evens? Call odds or evens? Somebody. Oh, evens. Okay. 11. Andy. Okay. So Sean goes first. Sure. Tell me what. Oh, Pete, do right. you have the I'm timing now. <laughs> okay. Three. Two, one. The MMO genre before World of Warcraft came out was a dying wasteland. It wasn't a place you had, you know, certain games that were popular, 
but World of Warcraft came out and was the culmination of years of respected RTS games. And it came out, it switched genres, and took over the genre that it switched to. World of Warcraft, now what, 15 years later, is still the most played MMO of all time, and it's not even close. Uh, millions and millions and millions of people have played this game. In fact, I challenge you to find a gamer who has never played World of Warcraft for one moment in their entire life. That's pretty hard to do. On top of that, it's a game that proved Blizzard's dominance over video games. They play, they dominated the RTS market, switched markets, and dominated the MMO market. I would argue that without World of Warcraft, Blizzard is an extremely different company. World of Warcraft spawned Hearthstone, it spawned Heroes of the Storm, and it it's the reason why BlizzCon exists. So when you think about video games, when you think about gaming... You really can't not address World of Warcraft and how it has shaped games over the last 15 years. I think a lot of World of Warcraft's success is some of the ripples that we're seeing with games and services because gaming companies realize that people want to be invested in games beyond the stop and start of the game. They want to be able to invest in a character, right? And World of Warcraft, that was the first game where... We saw millions of people wanting to do that. Casual gamers who never would have looked at older MMOs picked up World of Warcraft and played it. And played to this day. It's a game that offers you the opportunity to play however it is that you want to play. And that's a big reason for its success as well. Majora's Mask is a fantastic game. But yet again, I'm arguing for you a... done. Okay. <laughs> All right. Say when. Sorry, I forgot to give you the 15-second warning. That's my bad. Um, three, two, one. Okay, so I will concede, Sean's point, that World of Warcraft is a more important game, but that's not what we're here to decide. We're here to decide what's the better game. Majora's Mask is its one of the most singular experiences I've ever played. I've never played anything where, in the scheme of things, the emotional story matters so much and so little at the same time it's set on a three-day repeating clock right so you have all these great emotional side quests and then you go back in time and it's painful because this couple that you just got back together well you got them back together on your last time loop and they're still there they're sad they're not together anymore and at the same time you're trying to save this small world which somehow in one game termina feels more fleshed out to me than hyrule ever has Majora's Mask flips Zelda on its head, strips out everything we think of as, oh, what, it's the core of Zelda. It's still somehow a Zelda game. Um, you spend most of the game not as Link, but as some Zora or a Deku Scrub or a Goron or a Giant. And that's really cool. And you're still Link. You're still there. It's so It's such a weird, unique, perfect experience that has never, and I don't think ever will be really replicated. Um... I know we've talked a lot about a Majora's Mask style follow-up to Breath of the Wild, but if we can get a Majora's Mask quality follow-up, uh, gaming's going to be in a lot better of a place than it is right now because of how good and distinct Majora's Mask is. Um, I don't know how much time I have left, but I challenge anyone to find a game that has as little respect for its forebears as Majora's Mask does and still comes around to be 
a defining like piece of what Zelda is. All right, done. So here's the thing. I gave both of you too much time by accident, but I gave you the same amount of time on purpose. So without any warning, you got an additional few seconds to argue your arguments. And I'm calling that out now because I know some eagle-eyed listener will be like, that was longer than a minute and a half, you motherfucker. Well, guess what? <laughs> it was still fair. <laughs> Guys, fair again, this is... Ugh, you're fucking killing me here. Um, you, you, got, you guys are really good at defending these games. <laughs> I, I understand your intimate knowledge of them uh, shines and your passion for it is, is glorious. <laughs> All right. What do you got, man? I think Sean wins this one again. All right. I, again, Andy, I, it's, it's just, it's by like a I'm fraction hurt. of a We're hair. We're not friends anymore. I, it's like, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's just like the tiniest sliver more. My man's just trying to box Nintendo out of our fucking no, top. <laughs> yeah, Thompson just I, hates I want Nintendo there to be and a Zelda wants... game or a Nintendo game or whatever, and I hate to have Andy lose two in a row. I, 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 those things emotionally make me feel bad. So that's why this is so hard for me <laughs> to say that Sean wins again. So I don't say that with any light heart. But I damn. take no pleasure in it. I take none. <laughs> none. <laughs> All right. So next round is another really, really emotionally trying thing for Thompson. Fallout like... New Vegas, represented by Thompson, versus Mass Effect Two. Oh, I'm gonna be in the hospital by the end of this episode. <laughs> represented by me. Right, who do we want oh, to judge this one? God. I feel like. I feel like I want Sean to do it because I know Andy has played both these games and loves both these games, but I feel like he likes one more than the other. And I feel like Sean hasn't played either. So what's he going to take the arguments? I feel like I agree. It's <laughs> so, fine. Yeah. Nobody okay. wants my games. Nobody wants me. It's cool. It's not no, I, I want you to judge, but I'm afraid that you're going to make Thompson win. <laughs> yeah, and I, I have no bias. You're right, yeah. And I know Sean hasn't played either of these and probably is never going to. Except so. for Thompson, who's picked all your games already, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I'm like sorry. Andy, Andy should judge the next bracket because it's Thompson versus Sean, and they both wrong him in this horrible. conversation. So. <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Um, I'll I'll pull it up here, the uh, the timer. Rather. Okay. Cool. cool. Uh, Pete, do you want to go first or me? Um, you go first. <sighs> New Vegas. All right, man. Uh, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Three, two, one, go. Fallout New Vegas is considered to be by a lot of people who love Fallout the best of the series. A lot of people have a favorite in, in many games, right? Um, like, you know, 3 might be their favorite for this, or 4, some people love the most, or even 76. That doesn't matter. What matters about New Vegas is the fact that this game was made with the intent of taking uh, the original game, like the isometric, the feel and love of that game, what made it popular, but putting it into the 3D space that was created before it by Fallout 3, a different company. So... That's why this game is better. That's why this is the best one. This makes what everything you thought in Fallout 1 and 2 was happening a reality by putting you there and actually fleshing it out and giving you the ability to explore and interact and destroy or not destroy the world in meaningful ways that just really weren't 
there in the previous games, even if you felt like they were. It's kind of like how remasters make you feel about a game when you were younger, but New Vegas just did it by being that game. It's not a remaster, it's not anything else, it's not even a love letter, it just stands out above and beyond, but it still does pull on those original franchise core tenants. And basically, you can't... 15 seconds. You can't do anything better than what they've done, I think. There's a reason why the mod for it that came out is better than like newer games. I'm done. All right. I'm good. All right. Uh, here we go, Pete. Three, two, one, go. So I think what you have to talk about when you talk about Mass Effect 2 is that I, I, as a major Bioware fan, which I've established on all 100 episodes of this show, I think Mass Effect 2 is probably objectively the best game that Bioware has ever made. And it's not my favorite. Uh, Dragon Age Origins is. But Mass Effect 2 is such a strong game across the board. It stripped out some of the not really well-realized elements that they established in Mass Effect 1 and doubled down on everything that they had done in Mass Effect 1 that worked, which was character, which was story, which was deep world-building, which was, uh, like, the most satisfying romances in gaming, you know? Um, Mass Effect 2 hits all those notes, and it's the one game in the Mass Effect franchise that I think you can play alone and have a totally complete experience, and it's, like, a 10 out of 10, you know? Like, there are... There are a few games that do such a good job of building out your squad and making it feel like you're a part of a team of people that really, like, have relationships not just with you but with each other. And the game has so much replayability because, like, it's brisk, it's focused, there's a lot to do, and you can get a different run-through every time by using different companions and prioritizing different, like, strategies or playing with a different class, and it's it's easily one of the best action RPGs ever made. All right. Time. Um, I'm going to go with Pete. You made me want to play the Damn. game. And nice. that is probably the, the benchmark you sold me on why it's a game that matters and you made me want to play it hell yeah nice okay bioware getting two games in the next bracket i'm happy to see that happy yeah, to see crazy. that pete i gotta <laughs> say you were right that i did have a bias toward one game but you were wrong about which game i was biased towards damn it i thought you liked new vegas better that's why i didn't pick you <laughs> <laughs> no i knew he liked mass effect better that's why i didn't pick him <laughs> See, all right, yeah. fair enough. Well, either way, that, I, like, again, New Vegas, was... don't get me wrong, is a special game, but like, yeah. And and Pete, like, I fucking hate that bracket too because I fucking love Mass Effect too. Right. Like, that's my favorite of this. God damn it, hey, man! <laughs> that's why this game is fun. It's hard. I know. It's, it's like it's... a buy or sell, but a whole game. I know. <laughs> I'm gonna die. <laughs> all right, Thompson, keeping uh... it rolling. You're involved in this next one too. <sighs> Uh, we have StarCraft, represented by Thompson, versus Street Fighter Three Third Strike, represented by Sean. Thompson, do you have a judge preference? Uh, I think Andy should have this one. All right. Okay. Andy, it is. Uh, it's a minute and a half on the timer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, Who's going first? Go first or me? Uh, you should go first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Thompson, you're on in three, two, one. Alright, so StarCraft is obviously a very important game. There's, you know, just 20-something years of this game being around. It spawned tons and tons of shit. It flagshipped Blizzard into a whole new realm. Um, Its importance can't be underestimated. 
but I still play this game to this day. By no bias do I play this one over two because of it. Like just it's just a better game. Like there is a community still on here. There are mods and map packs and stuff still designed for this game. Um, it takes it takes everything about the RTS genre and it just perfected it. I don't really know of any other RTS game that has ever just been so good as this. And you know you could play any other game, any other RTS game, and I will find something to compare it to to StarCraft, because StarCraft just is that good of a game. Um, granted, it took 20 years of patches and stuff that they released it out. Uh, it's it even had a, a patch, like, last year. But this game still has that love 20 years later. The only other thing I could think about that would do that, it's just, like, that's a Blizzard game, right? StarCraft cannot be underestimated. Its dominance is supreme, and a piece of my soul is gone forever because of it. If you like RTSs in any fashion, you have to play StarCraft. There is no other RTS out there that will ever compare in my eyes. I'm done. I got Damn. To <laughs> I can't make anything else. It's just that good. I don't need 15 <laughs> seconds. It's the fucking best. <laughs> it's the best the RTS ever created. Okay. Sean, you ready? Yep. Okay. Three, two, one. I agree with every single word of what Thompson just said. Everything he said about StarCraft is on point. The problem is that Street Fighter is is fighting games. There are lots of RTSs, and there are some really great ones. But when you talk about fighting games, you talk about Street Fighter. And the best Street Fighter game of all time, unilaterally considered to be the case, is Street Fighter Third Strike. It took everything that had been done before, everything Capcom had done right with every other fighting game, and put it perfectly into one perfect ensemble the cast is fantastic they introduced great new characters the fighting is tight it's considered to be the tightest fighting game of all time technically speaking which is high praise when you consider how many great fighting games there are the rts genre has lots of great games in it but starcraft stands high above the rest because people stopped making good rts's street fighter 3 stands among the best fighting games of all time in a genre that is currently thriving there is a lot of competition, but people still talk about Street Fighter Third Strike because of how good it actually is. This is a game with a passionate fan base that has stayed that way since I believe 1999 and continues to play this game to this day. People clamor for remakes of this game on every single console that comes out because they don't want a console to exist without this game. And In you're fact, done. Okay. Okay. So... After hearing both of these arguments, I I gotta go with Sean on the strength of they stopped making good RTSs. Uh, dude, you you actually got me there. Like, yep. When you said that, I was like, oh fuck, <laughs> that's the. I was really hoping you wouldn't bring that up. Yeah, if you're gonna go with this is the best of this genre, the the genre that's still thriving and making good games is the one that the game that's somehow been the best for twenty years wins. I just want to point out real quick, Sean has won every one of his brackets. I know. Because <laughs> he bribed <Crazy>. Thompson. <laughs> what a surprise. All right. So the last bracket in the first round, we have Persona 5 represented by me. No, just what? kidding. It's Andy. <laughs> and Super wow. Mario World represented by me. Oh, boy. Uh, Pete, who do you want to judge? <sighs> You know, Thompson's fucked me a lot before, and what? Sean <laughs> recognized the validity of my argument, so I think I gotta give it to Sean. <laughs> mm. 
rough. I I think I'm gonna go with Sean also. Okay. Um yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna Unbiased. Just <laughs> just throw throw the money in for Sean. But I am gonna ask you to roll a die so I can go second. Okay. Unless you want to go first, and then I'm fine no, with that. Odds or evens. <laughs> uh give me the evens. Nine. Damn it. That's me, baby. So you go first. Alright. Uh give me two seconds to take some water. Let me know when you're ready, Shawnee. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one, begin. Okay, so Persona 5 is, I think, the newest game any of us nominated. And it's the newest, and I consider the peak of a genre that's been around forever. And people have been playing JRPGs since Final Fantasy 1 for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Persona 5 has had the tightest turn-based combat I've ever fucking played. It's so much fun. It's so smooth. And it is a game I could go back to forever just to fuck around with it in the same way people go online to play uh, Pokemon. Like Pokemon Showdown, if they let me like do a Persona randomizer and make my own team, I'd be so in on that. On top of that, it's got the coolest presentation of any game I've ever played. Every second of that game drips hardcore style. Like, it knows what it's doing and it does it well. It's a smooth heist game. You feel like a criminal even though you're a teenager. On top of that, it's got the best cast of any video game I've ever played. Um, up, or it's right up there. Like, Mass Effect 2 is the only thing I come close in terms of companions i want to just hang out with and spend time with i finished playing 15. a 90 hour game started it over the next day in new game plus just because i wanted to keep spending time with these characters who are like honestly kind of my friends at this point time cool all right ready pete i am ready three two one begin I respect everything that Andy laid out there about Persona 5. Uh, with Based on my limited experience with it, it's a fantastic game. But Super Mario World is in the conversation for the greatest platformer of all time. And I would argue that there is no genre more fundamental to video games than the platformer, man. Uh, and Mario does it better than almost anybody. And I am of the opinion Super Mario World is the best, is the cream of the crop. And yeah, there are conversations for other Mario games, and I, you know, I respect them. But Super Mario World is such a complete package. The music, fire. The graphics, fire. That pixel art holds up to this day. The gameplay, incredible. Introduced Yoshi, man. And it's just like, it's got such style. And yeah, maybe it's not Persona 5, with its sleek jazz soundtrack and its, you know, uh, After Effects backgrounds and everything. But it has a charm that, like, stands the test of time, not just because it's a classic, because it's excellent. And I think that, you know, we will look back on Persona 5 warmly as one of the greatest JRPGs of all time, I think. 15. But Super Mario World is a game that, like, its legacy is going to stretch, like, you know, far beyond it because of what it is and what it represents. You know, like, it was the game that was packaged with the Super Nintendo. What more can I say than that? Time. This is a very difficult one. Uh, I think you both made strong arguments, but I, I I was swayed by Pete. 
Um, Andy think... got robbed. Andy got robbed <laughs> three times in a row. Andy got robbed. Uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, well, I... I think the great thing here, though, we can just make Andy the judge for the next round because he lost every bracket. Oh, bummer. <laughs> oh. I never, ever got to judge around, ever. <laughs> I tried. I tried. You did. You did your best. If if you weren't matched up there against Super Mario World, I think you'd have a much better shot. Yeah. It's a hard game to argue against. Dude, I didn't know if I was going to take it, though. Andy made, like, a really strong argument. I was like, Ugh. Honestly, I think going first <laughs> hurt me. I'm going to propose it's a, disadvantage. a um, And you guys can, you know, you're going to be the ones making these arguments. I suggest the person going first be allowed to reserve, like, 20 seconds of their time for rebuttal. I I definitely think a rebuttal would be a good idea. Yeah. I'm I'm fine with that. Cool. Okay, cool. Um All right, I'm just making the second bracket now. And funny enough, it actually works out perfectly based on how like they played out that like we have a a bracket made. I didn't even have to randomize it. So I'm arguing in every single yeah, one of these. You, you won everything. Because <laughs> you bribed Thompson. Well, Sean, <laughs> Sean won almost every bracket. Uh, no, he did. He won all three, man. It's, yeah, it's, so it's crazy. To He's gonna, every game up here is going to be a strong pick. <laughs> all right. Nothing wrong with that. These are great games. It's This is a tight list now that we're down to these even. All right, so Andy, you're our judge. We have round one, The Last of Us, the represented of us. by Thompson versus Knights of the Old Republic, represented by Sean. Who's going first? You want to roll the dice? I'll go first. All right. Okay. Would you like to reserve wanna... some amount of time for rebuttal? Eh, I'll be fine. I can't make much mo- Like, if I can't sway you in my first argument, I can't sway you at all. Okay. Damn. Okay. That's confidence. Here we go. Three. Two, one. All right, so this is my number one pick of all time. I've said many times this is my favorite game ever, and I don't say that lightly. I've played thousands of games. I'm really not shitting you when I say thousands. I put 1,400 hours into games like Hearts of Iron. I put 1,500 into Civ Five. I burn my life into video games. This is still the best game I've ever played. You've heard me talk about this a million times over. I've already talked about it just before, about what a, like, what a just impact it has. Uh, this, this game just is that good. I... I don't think you need to know that, like, you know, its core tenants are just, you know, RPG stuff, uh, and open world, zombies, whatever. It's not, it's, it's, that's not what's going to sell you. What's going to sell you is the experience you walk away from the same way you'd say something like Undertale, um, you know, the, the new God of War, uh, the style of Persona 5 even that you bring up. It doesn't matter what experience you enjoy out of it. The Last of Us will provide that experience. You can't play this game and not enjoy it. It's just that good. Like, there is... Even if you, even even one of our friends has played this game and said like, "Hey, I didn't like these characters for this story part or that or whatever," that's a conversation about it. But it's so good that you get to walk away from that and say that like, "Wow, like I disagreed with these people fundamentally." Or you, you have to think about like what everyone's doing. 15. It just it just puts you in a whole experience from it. You can't walk away with without at least it changing you in some way. It will make you think. It's great. Gameplay's fun. It's intuitive. Everyone is amazing in it. And it just, it's a beautiful package. And you're done. Sean? I'm ready. Three, two, one. So, 
everything that you said about The Last of Us is great. The thing about Knights of the Old Republic that I think sets it above is that when this video game came out, there wasn't a great expectation for a great story coming from a Star Wars video game. Uh, Star Wars games were good, but they were never great before this. And this game set it above the rest of Star Wars games and created a moment where it's like, well, is this game as good as Knights of the Old Republic? That's a huge difference between what The Last of Us did and what it has done. I'm glad that you came away with an emotional experience. But who played Knights of the Old Republic and didn't have a huge emotional experience at the moment where we learn who Revan really is? Who didn't play that game and want to see Revan, Bastila, and the crew succeed against Malak? It created a cast of characters that are remembered to this day. And as I said in my last argument, there are games about these characters. There are books about these characters as individuals. This game spawned a sequel that 15. people still talk about to this day. That is legacy that we're talking about. We're talking about a game that people compare to the movies that the game is based on. When has that ever happened before? People You're think out. of this game. Okay. All right. So this is tough. You guys both argued it well. I think I got to go Last of Us. Don't worry, Sean. You got three or two more opportunities. <laughs> yeah, it's like, don't worry, man. It's quite all right. You're good. Damn. I, I'm surprised because that's, uh, again, KOTOR. It's. it's fucking hard to you say called your I, shot thompson you right. said last of us is going all the way to the top yeah i mean it's just that good peter no doubt it's it's it was my number one pick immediately i was like i got this you can't you can't make a list without this game all right um i'm going to ask to disqualify myself as a judge for this round and insert thompson okay i think for, that's fair uh wow. because versus world of warcraft i i cannot there is no argument that would make me pick wow over mass effect 2 <laughs> Okay. And I want to give Sean a fighting chance. He's recusing himself. Yep. I appreciate that. fair. He's nothing if not honorable. (laughs) Uh, All right. So, yeah. Uh, World of Warcraft versus Mass Effect 2. Who's ready to run the clock? I will run the clock. Still. All right. Uh, Who's going first? I'll go first. Would you like to reserve any of your time for rebuttal? No. Okay. Three. Two, one. World of Warcraft is the standard bearer of the MMO genre. It's not to say that the MMO genre is dead because World of Warcraft is thriving. People have made their choice as to what MMO they want to play. They want to play WoW. How many clones have come out? How many WoW killers have been released. None of them have stood the test of time. World of Warcraft is dominant. This is different than the StarCraft argument because that genre died. Nobody wants to play RTSs anymore except hardcore StarCraft fans. World of Warcraft is a game that people want to play. World of Warcraft is a game that keeps people coming back. They're releasing a classic version of it so that people can relive the game as it was in 2004 because that game as it released was so incredible and it remains incredible to this day. What other franchise can maintain 
two different versions of itself. That's how long this game has lasted. That's how enduring the legacy of World of Warcraft is. The gameplay, the best 15? boss fights in any MMO that has ever been released, undisputed. Mass Effect 2 is a good game. World of Warcraft is a genre-defining game. And I defy anybody to argue against that. Uh, out of time. Oof. Oof that's rough. <laughs> All right. Pete and Bessie at the plate. You are, you are the defier to argue against that. Let me know when Count you're ready, in. Peter. You good? Count me in. Three, two, one. I will argue that, Sean. I cannot deny the legacy, the impact of World of Warcraft. It would be naive and stupid to try. But Mass Effect 2 is also a generation-defining game in its own way. The Xbox 360, PlayStation 3 generation is the longest console generation of all time. And when you think about the franchises that define that generation of consoles, that generation of gaming, Mass Effect is in that conversation. And Mass Effect 2 is the best game in the series. And very few fans would argue against that. And as I already outlined, I think Mass Effect 2 is the cream of the crop of Bioware who in it are the best. When they're firing on all cylinders, they're the best they are at what they do. When when it comes to making the character story driven relationship driven RPG, you know they defined Western RPGs in so many ways and dethroned JRPGs dominance. It was them and it was Bethesda and Bioware's like you know uh, obviously they have not been doing as great in recent years. But find one person who was around during that time that was playing these kinds of games that doesn't remember 15? Mass Effect 2 that fondly. I don't think that there's a game with Andy, you yourself pointed out before, that there isn't a, a game with a stronger cast of characters save for a few other games in that conversation. And I think that like that's something that can't be undersold. Is that like, yeah, <laughs> I undersold it. <laughs> uh, Sean, you didn't leave any rebuttal time? Sean left no rebuttal time. Oh, okay. Um, all right. Well, shit. Oh, God. Um, I just want to say, while Thompson deliberates, that Pete sells Mass Effect Andromeda short. It is clearly the second best Mass Effect game. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. What? Um, <laughs> throwing a wrench. Uh, uh, like I said, you guys are going to give me a heart attack by the end of this episode. So my cortisol levels are through the roof. Um, I... I I have to go with Sean on this one again. Fuck! <laughs> I, I just I think, it. I just think, like, Pete, I'm sorry. I just think his argument was better. I'm sorry. That's fine. It's not anything with the games. I would probably play Mass Effect 2 over World of Warcraft, and I, I know. have more access to it. Even though I own both, I just think his argument is a little bit better. I'm sorry. I get it. It's not, I, it's I was okay. fighting an uphill battle. It's okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Pete, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I pulled myself out. I know. It's, oh. It was the fair thing to do. It was the fair thing to do. But I feel like I, I let one, Pete I, down. I got one more shot in the next round. Let's do Rob it. Pete of an easy win. Okay, uh, so Sean went first that time, so Pete's going to go first this time in the next Sean versus Pete matchup. Yeah, that seems fair. Pete, would you like to reserve any time for rebuttal? You know I will. How much? 15, 20? F- 15 seconds. 15 seconds. Okay. So I'll give you who's, a fi- judging this one. I'll give you a fifteen second warning at a minute, and then I'll buzz you out at one fifteen. Perfect. Cool. Ready? Wait, who's judging this one? Uh, I am. Andy again. Yes. Okay. 
and go. All right, so I'm going to stand for Super Mario World hard here for a few reasons. Number one, Super Mario World is in the conversation for my favorite game of all time. And that's a a hard, hard fought position. And, you know, it's because the game is so enduring. It is a, like, master class in tight 2D platforming. And... I, I don't think that, like, as as much as Street Fighter 3 is also, I think, that for fighting games, which is, like, makes them, like, kind of a, a good match, like, Super Mario World looms such a huge shadow, and I think that, like, Super or Street Fighter 3 might be the best game in the franchise, but, like, I think Street Fighter 2 is probably more iconic, and, like, Super Mario World is, like, not just a game, like that fires on all cylinders in terms of its creative execution, but it also has a legacy that few other games on this list can can claim. And I think that the fact that if we make this list and there isn't one Nintendo game on it, that's a fucking travesty. And I think what better game to represent Nintendo on our top three than Super Mario World? I will be disregarding... The phrase Super Mario World as it was <laughs> just up in the air. What game? What better game? I don't know. <laughs> All right, Sean, you ready? Three, two, one. So we're talking about two titans of the industry here, and I think the cream of the crop, as Pete said, of both genres. Pete mentioned that it'd be a travesty for a Nintendo game not to be on our list, and I argue that that's not a travesty, because this is a list of the best games, not a list that's supposed to represent anything. We're talking about Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. Street Fighter 2 set the bar, Street Fighter 3 Third Strike raised the bar, and is now the bar. There is no fighting game that can ever come out before or after this game that anyone can look at and go, well... If it's not Street Fighter Third Strike good, it doesn't matter. This game set the stage for everything that's come since. Capcom has not been able to put out anything as good as this since, and they have tried. Four and five are great games, but Third Strike is something different. It's something special. It has a sauce that they haven't been able to find since then. And it's incredible that they did it way back in 99. Super Mario World is a great platformer. I would argue that better Mario games have come out since then. Nothing better than Street Fighter Third Strike has been 15. released. The fact of the matter is that, yes, Mario is very iconic. So's Ryu. So's Ken. So's Chun-Li. So's Sagat. So's Bison. So's Dalsim. So's Blanca. So's Charlie. So's Guy. <laughs> Who the fuck is Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> Pete, you now have 15 seconds of rebuttal time, starting in 3, 2, 1. Sean, you are our expert on fighting games. I am our expert on platformers. There is not a Mario game that has come out since Super Mario World that is better than Super Mario World. At least not a 2D platformer, which is, of course, what we're talking about. And that's time. Qualifier. It's rough. And it's rough. It's Mario. Woo! Damn. I'm. Uh, I feel bad making that. I would have felt worse saying the other one. I don't know. 
Can they both win? <laughs> as long as as long as you're telling me that the argument was better and that's how you really feel, I accept. That. Yes. Yeah, you both argued your points very well. And yeah. Fuck, man. We had two titans, man. What are you going to do about that one? None of this was easy. This entire event caused me more stress than I ever thought it would. <laughs> I it was a lot of fun, but goddamn. Yeah, this was fun. I had a great time with this. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, I wouldn't have felt bad about any one of these games ending up on our top three list. Uh, and I think our our last our final ranking here, pretty solid, I have to say. We've got The Last of Us, World of Warcraft, and Super Mario World. All... I just want to say, I've been talking about The Last of Us for 100 episodes. And none of you have played it still. And it's on our top three list. So I'm never going to play it. One of you Let's has see. to play this game at some point. I if promise. it did this in 100 episodes, if it maintained that level. Just saying. There's something to it. I promise I'll do it. Yeah, you promised for a while. Well, Thompson, will it make you I'll... feel better if I promise I won't? Yes. <laughs> at least you're being honest. <laughs> at least he's being honest. <laughs> All right. Well... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a great time with this. I'm happy with where this shook out. I, you know, I'm happy that Andy got totally boxed out of the top Rude. three. Oh, uh, <laughs> but somebody was going to get boxed out, I thought. I mean, hey, somebody had to be the loser. And considering Andy has picked on me for 100 episodes. <laughs> it's fine. Well, considering ooh. that Thompson's the only one of you who argued any of your games on its merits and not on the, but it's legacy. <laughs> That's not true. No, I did not try that, and Thompson fucking beat out Pokemon Silver. I didn't even try to go for nostalgia. I just talked about game design, and I got nothing, Andy. So you gotta play to your judges. <laughs> well, you know, when you win all three of your first round matchups, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, oh, damn, that says a lot. You know, sorry, Andy. But uh, this is a game of arguments. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> you you actually can't use this now for any uh, merit for your lawyer career because <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh. oh, of course we tease. We tease. Do we? Or do we take <laughs> yes. it personal? We definitely do. Until Pete wakes up with me standing over him. <laughs> A squirtle's head in my right hand, a squirtle's body in my left. <laughs> I was going to say, we almost made 100 episodes with no uh, negative comments about water Pokemon or squirtle, but here we go. We got it. We got it in there right under the wire. All right, so that wraps it up for our bracket. That's our top three, and that is episode 100 of the Video Game Pals. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on all 100 episodes. It's been one hell of a ride. Uh, make sure you follow at the Comics Pals to keep up with all the stuff we've got going on and uh, what the future holds for us here at the Video Game Pals. Um, so yeah, uh, again, thank you so much for all your support, for all you who wrote in, uh, for all of you who showed up every week and liked the videos and subscribed and all that stuff. Uh, we, we really appreciate you, and uh, it's it's been uh, a tremendously enjoyable time. Yeah, um, definitely sad to see this ending uh not necessarily the end forever just the end for now and uh it's been a pleasure uh doing this with you guys andy thompson especially just because you know prior to this i didn't know you of course Peter yeah, yeah. And i have you know worked together and done a lot before but uh it's been an honor to share the stage and share the mic if you will 
and uh, I hope to do it again with you guys sometime soon in the future. It's been yeah. I feel the same way. I I love you guys, and it's been a blast, and I enjoyed every episode that I was on, and I like almost all hundred. I almost did a perfect record, but I only missed a few. So <laughs> <laughs> hope to be back at some point. And for everyone who listened, thank you, and I hope I hope you'll go play The Last of Us uh, at some point. I know. <laughs> Pete has made a promise, and I know Sean owns it, so those are the only two I got an edge in on. I'll try. I'll, I'll promise you this. The next time we all sit down to record a podcast together, I will have played The Last of Us. All of it? Uh, wow. That's... So what? Like, is that a guarantee or like a like ambiguous that'll never happen moment? <laughs> no, it's a guarantee. Guarantee. Okay. All right. I'll take your word on that. Take it to the bank. Fair enough. Yeah, it's been real and it's been great. Thanks to everybody who listened. Thanks to, you know, everybody who ever came on this show to whether it was, you know, Peggy coming on to be one of uh, the hosts for a while, whether it's Ed who feels like he was one of the hosts because he was here providing great commentary (laughs) so much. Uh, Just thanks to everyone who was involved in this at any capacity. Thanks to Phil for putting up with our nonsense recordings and editing them together. It's been great. Seriously. Yeah, so uh, before we get out of here, um, you know, like, let's do the plugs. Sean? Yeah, so uh, over on the Comics Pals this week, we reviewed the, you know, another historic event, uh, which was Detective Comics 1000. Uh, That dropped, and we all really liked it. So uh, you can hear that. And then, you know, we also talked about uh, something that wasn't historic and, uh, not something that we necessarily liked, which is Heroes in Crisis number seven. Uh, so lots of good conversation over there. We also talked about Zack Snyder's recent comments about the Snyder cut of Justice League and his opinion on superheroes. Jam Pack Comics Pals 127. Go check that out. If you want more from me on social media, I am on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk about uh, any of these great games that we nominated on our top three list. Andy? Alright, so uh, to Zack Snyder's comments, if you didn't think he was going to say something fucking stupid, grow the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can find me over on Twitter at Tiger underscore Millions. I'm happy to talk about any of the games that got robbed, uh, even the ones that I did the robbing for. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm happy to talk about games, pirates, comics, movies, anything. Hit me up I like internet friendships. They're like real friendships, but online. <laughs> Thompson. You can find me on Twitter at Relic Vampire. If you found Skeletor, you're in the right place. And uh, I guess for this time, I'll be meowing into the, the darkness once, until we come back. But you can always follow me at my little echo chamber where I post about Hearts of Iron stuff and other dumb crap about video games. And of course, please challenge me in that game because... Uh, I'm starting to realize that I have no challenge yet. <laughs> so, Damn. someone please dethrone me. Wow. As for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at loud underscore Pete. Uh, come connect with me and talk to me about anything and everything in the world of video games. Uh, I would relish to hear from you. And uh, if you want to get some more content from me, as Sean said, you can catch me on the Comics Pals with him. You can listen to uh, the next Comics Pals book club. Which we have coming up this uh, what next next week, two weeks. Uh, the nineteenth, uh, April sixteenth, April sixteenth, nineteenth, April nineteenth. There we go. We got it. Okay, and Shazam. 
Uh, oh no, that's Avengers. Shazam is this Infinity. week, and we'll have a review up for that. We'll have yep. the Infinity uh, Book Club going up on the 16th. See, there's a lot of things going on. I'm tired. <laughs> um, and then uh, if you want to still listen to me talk about video games, you can find me over on my other podcast, The Potscast, uh, where we talk about Nintendo. So if you want to get Sony, Microsoft hot takes from me, you'll have to just get me on Twitter. Uh, so with that, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Video Game Pals. Thank you guys so much again for joining us. And until next time, we love you. That's all, folks.